the Readiness Report, episode number 18. 18 in a row, and uh, it's just the fun just keeps going, you know? <laughs> it is fun. Eh? <laughs> Get drunk, do the we, news. We, uh, <laughs> one thing we'll show this one time. Let's just, for this one time, show show, show the people. Uh, just our alcoholic beverages. So, <laughs> so one time we'll show. We come here, we have some drinks, we do this, we talk for a little bit. We have an interesting guest, like tonight's guest, Ben Bukolsky, who I've known for forever and ever. And a lot of you know from his bodybuilding past. And maybe some of you who are watching today know from the, all the cool stuff that he's been into and basically the, the evolution of Ben Bukolsky. And that's, a lot of that is what we're going to talk about gonna talk about, yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, tonight we have, as usual, the news. But before we even get to the news, let me remind everybody two things. Number one, it's very important if you're watching on Facebook. What were you saying? I said we're drunk. <laughs> not yet, not yet, not yet. Uh, very important to remind people on Facebook, and I don't do this enough, is hit the share and the like button. By hitting the share and the like button, you're telling the Facebook algorithm that this is good shit and show it to more people. And that is a very, very important thing. And I think, Johnny, and uh, and you over there, Ryan, Ryan Monahan, I was hoping he was going to pull the camera out. There they are. I was hoping that um, wearing a shirt. We were, you guys were already thought about this. Why are you wearing clothes? You're supposed to be naked. Yeah, normally you're supposed to be naked. Are you supposed to be wearing a baby diaper? <laughs> he is wearing it. It's underneath the desk. Um, so um, next show, we're going to do uh, a, uh, what we used to do was, uh, back in the day, was giveaway shit. Usually when we give away shit, people tend to want to hit the like and the share button more. Because what we do is we'd say, because to influence you guys, or to bribe you, to press the share and like button, that would automatically enter you to win some big fancy prize. But right now I'm asking you, hit the share and like button just because you like us. And you want to share it or tell Facebook and the rest of the people out there. I like hey. these guys. Yeah, they're, they're all right. They're all right, these two. Um, and then the other big thing is this is a question and answer show. Even though we you know don't do many as, as many as we can or we wish we would because we had guests like, you know, last week we had uh, our, our, my, one of my favorites, Dan Crenshaw. And uh, Dan Crenshaw. Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. He does look like a young Russell Crowe. Young, not fat. Pre-fat Russell Crowe. Yeah, pre-fat. He, uh, he was fantastic, but he had very limited time. Yeah, he was a hard stop. He had a, he had a hard stop. General Petraeus, hard stop. Some of these guys who are, um, you know, famous, basically, or le legitimately big-time famous, they have uh, booking agents, and they literally will hard, you know, have a hard time where they say, I'm done. That's it. Yep. You know, we can only do so much. And so Dan went way over. General Petraeus went way over. Uh, most of them will say, oh, I can do 30 minutes. Obviously, Dakota Meyer is my friend. He'll do whatever. You know, he'd be back on today. Uh, Mel Chansey will do whatever. But... Uh, Roger Stone. I yeah, where's Roger? He's like lost. Where, yeah, somebody get me Roger Stone. Lost in space. Uh, I need to get Roger. He said he's coming to the office last week. And we'll then send I send his fucking him. Stone back if he doesn't yeah, come. That's right. We have Stone signed with Stone Roger on it. an actual Stone that he sent. So uh, we need to get Roger in the office. Is really what we need to do. Yeah. Oh God. Imagine that episode of being Redcon One. I would love to. I would love to get him. We need to get him into the Turn office. Into he was. He was excited to come to the office. He really. Wanted I know. To I'm surprised he hasn't come in. But I need to text him. One thing. I'm gonna hit the commercial break. Okay. And then one thing too is. Just questions. A lot of times we don't answer questions because we get a ton of comments. Yeah. But maybe there's not questions that really are like questions to field. So, yeah, if you have questions, I guess form it in a question instead of a comment. Yes. Yeah, so there's three ways to ask a question. You can write it right now on uh, YouTube or Facebook Live. Ryan is monitoring those. You can also text your questions, as Ryan just uh, put there on the screen, or Johnny, 561-473-4673. And uh, one of the cool things you also could do is you can – Text that number before the show even if there's a question that you want to get in. So hypothetically, we have a guest on, maybe Kai Green next week potentially, uh, and you and we'll tell, let you know as soon as you see it on everywhere in social, uh, Kai Green's going to be on or whoever it's going to be. I have also Alan Dershowitz, which I'm super excited to have on eventually. So if you are interested and you want to see 
or have a question for Kai, but you're not sure you're going to make it to the show, because one of the things that we've seen for sure uh, is that most of our listeners are actually listeners. Most of the people are downloading the podcast. And so of the thousands and thousands of people watching on this, it's many multiples more on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever, Spotify. So if you have uh, something you, you're like right now, you're listening, it's two days from now, and you're interested about Kai Green, you see we're going to do it, text us right now. Or text I, us. I got questions for Kai. A lot of people have questions for Kai. Kai is somebody that people do definitely have questions for. Um, he's somebody that's very questionable. What? I love I love Kai and, uh, and Adam, and I, I'm very excited to have them on, whether it's next week or the week after. And uh, one of the cool things that I can tell you for sure is that we will be having a Kai Green event at the Red Cone Gyms. It's oh. news for you. News for you. You may, so, you may own part of the gym, but you don't even know what's going on. That's like most of the <laughs> shit around here. I may own part of it, but I don't you know what's going on. What? That's, that's exciting. Yeah, so uh, yeah, Kai... We, I did have a firm commitment for from Adam and Kai to do something at the gym soon. Once it may, well, since they want to get out of New York, so when it gets colder, it's even more reason to get out of New York. Does and, it involve uh, wigs? Maybe, maybe. I mean, it depends on the money. Money's involved. <laughs> but uh, I know that um, there's huge potential for them to make money at the Red Cohen Gym by doing an appearance. And I oh, told yeah. them, look, it could be just a meet and greet, or it could be if Kai wants to come down, he wants to do a whole seminar, yeah, a full training summer, yeah, a, a day of training. I mean, he's never done that before. So for an opportunity to come train all day with Kai, eat with Kai, go to a restaurant, do like the whole experience, you can charge very big money for that. It'd be interesting if he did like a posing seminar. Posing seminar. Oh, he could do it. He could do it all. And he doesn't do that. So hair braiding. Cool. Hair braiding, yeah. I could do that. Food selection. Sure. <laughs> yes. Oh, we'll go to the news with that. <laughs> with that. All right. Our first, first news story today is ByteDance chooses. So uh, TikTok, basically. TikTok chooses Oracle over Microsoft for the United States operations. They had to sell. And, uh, and they decided to go with uh, Oracle. And this is an interesting, you know, the whole thing is very interesting, but I'm going to go to our resident uh, nerd in charge, uh, Ryan Monahan, to explain this one, because I can only do so much with this. Ryan, what the hell happened, and why choose Oracle over Microsoft? All right, Papa Trump came in, said, hey, you all got to sell. Uh, Microsoft said, we need social, so they put it in a bid. Um, BitDance understood that Microsoft and Google, for that matter, suck at everything social crash everything so uh and ended up going with oracle who's never been in the social game i checked before we came on they've never done anything social they had more faith in them than they did in microsoft even though the bid wasn't bigger it wasn't even uh, a dollar amount bigger even in comparison they just refused to do it hmm. and so that means now once this transition happens that tiktok or the the parent company of tiktok will no longer have anything to do with american business period correct they're breaking it off and it'll be totally independent business I wonder, will the app, will they reinstall a new app? I mean, will it be a something totally like a... For what I read today, pre, pre this... My, my question in terms of national security is if they had access to those accounts or that software, or that you know funnel of information, would they still have it? What they said is basically when they bought Musical.ly, which was the popular app, they just basically rebranded the name. So they'll back basically... It'll basically be what it was before it sold. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So that's that. And wasn't Walmart one of the people in the bidding? Walmart wanted to get into it, and the only reason they couldn't win they're not was a tech they, company. they're not a tech company. Makes sense. And then antitrust might come into play, right? Yes. Um, Apple launch event. So every year around this time, I'm always super excited for the Apple launch event because it's generally uh, right now, before the Olympia or during the Olympia, usually it's a little bit before the Olympia. So it's, even the event has been pushed a little bit. Uh, but in September, I'm always excited because the new iPhone is coming out, right? That's what it means to me. Yeah, it's been usually that's, yeah. forever. And this iPhone is supposed to be a real quantum leap forward. It's supposed to be a generational 
increase, you know, something significant. It's not just a uh, pro yeah, or update or, or whatever. It's something significant. And so uh, I was very excited about it. Make sandwiches now? Whatever it'll do. It's a panini press? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. For the price they're charging <laughs> now, you should expect a lot, right? Uh, I do expect a lot. <laughs> you won't go there, but I know what no. you're thinking. Um, <laughs> There's not. You won't do it. that if you're at what you're thinking. Um, so uh, this, uh, this, this launch was pretty... Um, substandard in terms of like what the would be exciting certainly no uh it's like steve jobs well, yeah steve jobs i was gonna say tim cook is kind of eh, compared to steve jobs in general but some they, they have had some exciting releases and this was not one of them i mean you had the the new apple watch series six is the only exciting thing because it has more tech in terms of monitoring your health and fitness and that's like you can monitor your blood oxygen levels which is pretty cool you can also do an ekg at a moment's notice um and uh that's pretty neat but other than that um, and, the, and, the, and the fitness stuff. The fitness yeah, fitness plus. plus. Um, but if you really think about it, I hate to say it, and this is a case where Apple's behind. Think yeah. of all these other pieces of technology, whether it's Fitbit, probably some of the Samsung items that already have this technology built into it, and Apple's just catching up, and they make big press about essentially finally catching up. Yeah. So, and that's the one thing makes you wonder too, right? Like when a company has such a prolific face and front man like Steve Jobs when he goes away, yeah does that little bit of magic go away too because all that stuff whether he was demanding or whatnot that was his baby yeah and now that's gone lost other major players yeah too. didn't but, they lose johnny ivy as well mm -hmm. who designed yep. everything i mean so it, it definitely hurts and then so for this um i know for this release that it seemed like the big news on like wall street was that they're bundling all the services together yeah the three bundles so they offer that's, that's going to be something that could actually do something i know that the people got excited on wall street over that because um, it knocks out a lot of the other apps. There's a lot of reasons to just stick with Apple now. Yeah, because everything's now just inherent. You just pick a bundle, and again, if you get billed for it monthly, you probably don't give a shit. Yeah. So, what is your new watch? There it is. I bought one to, for my sleeping and for uh, for exercise. So I hope it's cool. If not, it'll we'll just do be another Apple Watch in the drawer. No, no, I gave them away. <laughs> I, the last one I gave away here at the office. I'll do a contest for it. Somebody's gonna win it, and they'll be very happy. Well, you gave it one way once for someone who didn't receive texts. Oh yeah, I did, I did, I did. For, You're like, uh, I'm gonna give you this watch, and yeah. I'll know when I text you. And you have no excuse not to respond to my text messages now. I don't care when I'm texting you, you're responding. Here's that. Here's your watch. watch. Congratulations. Yeah, I sure that was did. a pretty funny one. I sure did. Unfortunately, she didn't survive. And she kept the watch, watch too. Yeah. Um, this is just a silly story, but it's not gonna surprise anybody. Halloween 2020 candy sales are gonna slump. Of course, as fewer Americans are not going to hand out treats, right? That's no surprise. I mean, a lot of things are down um, from anything related to big public gatherings. I mean, yeah, and it's what is it, like thirty-five percent of the people surveyed said they would hand out candy, which is down like fourteen percent. But in general, I think they said it was something like only fifty percent of Americans actually hand out candy. Um, still a good amount of people. I mean, well, now you have little kids where we walk through the doors. Oh, it's funny shit. Yeah, but but there is you can see that most most homes are lights are you know oh yeah, a lot of people now just yeah, yeah try to ignore it when i was a little kid it wasn't like that every house had something oh, i loved halloween man you got to store candy for a while some people give you money pour <laughs> some shit up in some people's yards like yeah, but smash some pumpkins yeah, you know yeah, yeah. a little bit of fun it's like christmas but without all the bullshit yeah. um but you know the thing is too is it's funny as you look the um like hershey's and mars they talked about because they're going to be down on revenue they're just making already a marketing shift of uh, what did they call it? It was something like um, at-home usage. So essentially, they're still going to try selling bulk amounts, but to reposition it as 
like comfort food, like you have it on hand because you're your home alone sitting around. Huh. So there's marketing for you. There you go. Oh, okay. Yeezy Weekly. Come every on. every week we seem to have a Kanye West story. And uh, Bernie Carrick was at the office today, and I, I asked, were you there for that? Yeah. 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 So it's a good I question. Him, I said, so, hey, man, in your opinion, in your educated opinion, very involved with, with the campaign, so is Yeezy, is, uh, is Kanye a total lunatic, or is this part of a larger plan? And he said part of, he said he's very smart, is what he said. No, he's, you said, is he crazy or is he genius? And he said he's a crazy genius. Crazy genius. Yeah. So he said that uh, that he's very close with the president and that. He can call him directly. He, yeah, that they're both they're buddies. So that kind of puts a spin on a lot of our Yeezy um, news where it's always like we're joking about how crazy he is. Maybe he's not so crazy. Yeah, maybe know? he's a lot other than the next part. But um... look at the fat face. He's obviously a genius. <laughs> uh, so. Kanye says he has no plans to make any more music in, uh, until at least he is freed from his current contracts. So, riddle me this. So then his Yeezy brand, which he is worth $1.3 billion from, yeah. does that mean he's going to unshackle himself from like no, well, that, from, those constraints? From his words, these are his words. I'm not putting no more music out till I'm done with my contract with Sony and Universal. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, come and get me. Oh, he just doesn't want to undeduct his con. Okay, his yeah, current music contracts. Okay, he said, "I need to see everybody's contracts at Universal and Sony. I'm not going to watch my people be enslaved. I'm putting my life on the line for my people." That's what he said. Those are his words. Uh-huh. And he said, "The music industry and the NBA are modern day slaves, and I am the new Moses." I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> wow, it, it kind of falls in that same LeBron bucket. Yeah. Of. Yeah, he's 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 uh what what LeBron say he was that he was a uh, like or LeBron. something. Yeah. I don't like LeBron. And then it's there funny, was I used to like LeBron and I now I like really dislike. Him. And there was that conservative author that went at him. She's an African American female. She's like, well, that's oppression. Give me some of that. That was her comment to him. <laughs> yeah, not so, not not. Uh, yeah, not good. that's a not, not good, good situation. A whole, whole yeah, whole other that's a whole whole. Um, so um, we're gonna skip the next Kanye story. Because we got Ben on the line, and I don't want to. I want to go to commercial break. Come right back with Ben Bukowski, uh, because we got a lot to talk about with Ben, and uh, and I don't want to delay it anymore. You don't want to talk about Kanye non fornication? No, okay. staffers not. I'm not allowing staffers to fornicate. No, let's move on. <laughs> let's go to commercial break, and we'll be right back with Ben Bukowski. To make room for our upcoming apparel collection, we're giving away free gear all weekend. That's right, once it's gone, it's gone. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, take advantage of the free apparel with purchase. Spend $50 on the Red Cone site and choose any t-shirt on the site absolutely free. You heard that right, any short sleeve t-shirt is up for grabs. Spend $80 and we'll throw in your favorite flavor of our award-winning pre-workout Total War. Spend $95 and we'll add a two-pound bottle of our meal replacement protein formula, Emery Light. Choose any flavor of your choice. For additional savings, use the code RED30 to save an extra 30% off your car at checkout. Products and flavors are available only while supplies last. Visit RedCon1.com and start shopping now. It's a unique time in the world right now. You might have let your diet go. Getting to the gym probably is pretty difficult or for maybe for some of you guys, impossible. When I started thinking about doing another readiness trials, I figured people probably right now have real life issues. Like they're depressed or their finances, you know, lost a job, maybe even lost a loved one. So that's probably not the right time to do a transformation contest, right? Well, that's exactly what I was thinking. I remember the moment when that all went through my head and I was like, wait, hell no, this is the best moment for a distraction, for a goal, for a focus that isn't the news. 
I mean, the news is crazy. It's a great way to refocus your mind on something that isn't negative, like the riots, defunding the police, viruses, Kanye West for president. I have decided in 2020 to run for president. If you ask me a goal and a journey, plus being part of a community that are all going after the same thing is exactly what you need right now. We've done seven readiness trials now, and it's gotten bigger and better every time. We can't stop now. We're going even bigger. Last time we gave away $75,000 in cash and prizes, and our grand prize winner, Michael Sparks, won $50,000. This time we are truly going bigger, $100,000. That's right, 100 grand. And it's not even the biggest change. The biggest change was you spoke and we listened. And we're now gonna have 15 cash winners with the top five people winning $10,000. And for the first time ever, we're gonna have free coaching to help you make the most dramatic change. We even enlisted the help of some of our celebrity coaches and judges, Jesse Bowen, Adam Shear, and Martin Ford. It sucks to say, but if the money and the goals aren't enough, think about your health. We're learning a lot about COVID and there's a tremendous amount of confusion and even misinformation out there. But one thing we know for sure is that people who are in better physical shape do much better if they catch it. Having a body mass index of 30 or higher actually increases a person's risk of developing a severe case of COVID-19 by 27%. And a body mass index of 40 or higher doubles the person's risk. That's what the Harvard doctors say. You can either enter by buying one of the Redcon 1 readiness stacks, or if you're already loaded up on Redcon 1 subs, you can buy a ticket to enter the contest for $75. Tickets will go on sale August 15th. When you buy either the stack or the tickets, you'll receive an email exactly explaining how you're gonna enter and how to submit the pictures. Don't worry, we won't show your pictures to anybody unless you're a finalist for the money. Before submissions are due August 24th through the 31st. You'll have that rolling week to decide when you want to start, and then you're going to have 12 weeks from that point forward to finish the contest. Remember, this is a transformation challenge, not a physique or bodybuilding competition. The best and most dramatic change will be rewarded. Look, 2020 hasn't gotten off to a good start. I'd like to challenge you to hit the restart button with Redcon 1 and change your life forever. Let me tell you something, brother. Me and the Red Cow One crew are coming to the Carbon Culture this Saturday. We're going to be clanging and banging, training the 24-inch pythons, dude. After we get our pump on, come shake hands and take pictures with the biggest arms in the world from 12 to 4. So I got a question for you. What you going to do, brother? What you going to do when the Red Cow One crew runs wild on you? Let's see if Adam can do any better than that. So we have a lot of wrestling fans uh, in the in the building. Clearly, and, uh, we do. And Brent uh, Laffey is a huge wrestling fan. Really? So huge, oh, tremendous. Shit, so I, I figured that. I would cut my first wrestling promo and see For if him. Adam, if Adam Shear could uh, can beat me. So I called him out then. So let's see what you got, Adam. So, so only one thing you missed. What? What did I do wrong? The ripping of the shirt. I, I don't think I could have ripped the shirt. You I just like, pre-cut it. Prep it. Yeah. It's like you do with the strip club. That was that wasn't that was like we just did it to see what we could do. So. But um, apparently, apparently, Adam tomorrow is going to have a response for me, uh, like a rebuttal. So oh. I'll see in a post to rebuttal. Oh no, a rebuttal with Adam is means someone's going to be. In it's going to be something weird. It's going to be something yeah. weird. So, without further ado, I want to welcome our guest for the week, uh, bodybuilding yogi and CEO of Muscle Intelligence, my long, long time friend. I'm going to ask him. Ben, there he is. Ben, welcome to the show. What's up, boys? Thanks for having me. Oh, of course. Thank you for doing it. We appreciate it, man. Um, I was, was talking about chat, before. So I lived 
we, you lived in Tampa when I moved to Tampa and I met Darielle, we had just moved and I'm trying to remember how we actually, I mean, maybe we met through bodybuilding before, but you know, there was a lot of like kind of family events and you at the gym. I'm trying to remember, do you remember how we met initially? Probably just through, um, uh, what was the RX muscle? I think, man, to be honest, like interviews and stuff. It, it must've been right. And then yeah. when I moved, when I moved to Tampa, it just, you happen to obviously be there and then um, I had yeah. to, I remember, do you remember a workout with Zach Khan? Of course, of course, I remember the workout with Zach Khan. Yeah. <laughs> yes, um, so uh, Johnny, do you have that? Can you pull that up? Johnny's gonna pull that up. So um, yeah, me and Ben, I, I wanted to say I had the pleasure of working out with you uh, quite a bit during one of your, during a period of time, but it's right. more like the displeasure of <laughs> working out with you. So yeah. I trained with Ben, I don't know how many times, but the only one I wouldn't train was Lex, obviously. <laughs> uh, do Literally, I was just, let's go here. And he's like, no, 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 no. I knew better. I knew better. Because when you train with Ben, especially back then, when you train with Ben, um, your whole body would be, it wouldn't be, you'd, yeah, so we train back, but my whole central nervous system would be shot. So I would feel bad for, there we are, there I am. It's been, this was an interesting workout because Zach was screaming. Can you play the volume, Johnny, or is that not possible? He's screaming obscenities at me, pussy boy, and all this other stuff. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, at one point, he headbutted me when I was doing uh, when I was oh, doing uh, uh, skull crushers. Sad, yeah, it was man. That's that's a really great video. I haven't watched that. Yeah. I'll watch it. Yeah. 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 I think he has. Oh, yeah. Five, Straight up, not in, not in front, straight up. That's right, critique my form. I'm just trying to survive. Again! Again! Straight up. Where is that con these days? Feel Felt good. Lightweight. At that moment, I'm like, what am I doing here? <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. So where is Zach Khan these days, Aaron? Have you heard from him? What's that? Have you heard no, from Zach Khan? No idea nah. what he's up to. I don't. I don't know what he's up to. So he was for a while there on social media. I followed him, and I think he made so many posts that Instagram didn't like. They got rid of him off of uh, Instagram. Uh, Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. Too much pussy boy stuff, I guess. He's is a little he controversial, that's for sure. I, uh, I I loved uh, Zach. I love Zach. Uh, yeah. I always remember my my uh, favorite Zach story was we were in Germany, me and him. He went to dinner with Darielle, her mom, and Asher when when Asher was baby, 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 and um, he went. To, I tried to give Asher to him to hold him, and Asher starts hysterically crying, and Zach was like, "Oh, I'm so ugly." The baby's scared of me. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I felt so bad for him. I'm like, fuck. Uh, and uh, Daryl's like, oh my God, should you tell him like, you know, like, you know, like he probably, he probably is scared. face. But he was a great guy. He still is a great guy. I'm sure it's funny as shit. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so um, one of the things, Ben, that we wanted to talk, so the, the kind of the, the idea of the interview, right, is um, people know you, or pe some people that are watching probably know you from bodybuilding. Some people know you from what you've done since bodybuilding. I think um, for me personally, uh, and for the people that are listening or that are watching now, you know, the, the value that you can provide because you are somebody like me who kind of always seeks to continue to make progress. And, uh, and you're never happy with wherever you're at. And so I wanted to start with bodybuilding and then kind of transition into 
what you're doing now and the things you've done along the way. Is that cool? Sure, of course. So let's talk about the end of the bodybuilding career. You, uh, when I met you, you were in the midst of, you know, still trying to be Mr. Olympia, trying to win the Arnold Classic. Uh, this was, I guess when I met you, you were um, kind of, you, you, it was a little ways before you placed really high at the Arnold. Second, right, at the Arnold? Yeah, best placing was second, 2013. Yeah, so I, I think well, I moved to Tampa in 2011. So it was, it was kind of on that journey towards that place. At what point in time did you decide like, hey, maybe this isn't for me and maybe I need to go a different direction? What, how, how do you make a decision so huge after going after something so, so strong? Yeah, uh, man, I think there's a lot of things in my life that pointed in that direction. The first one being my son born in 2012 and then my daughter born in 2013. Uh, it's very hard as you know, Aaron, to be selfish and still be a great parent. Um, there's also just so many things going on, man. And like, you know, you know, guys getting sick and guys dying and, um, you know, the legalities involved in bodybuilding getting significantly worse. Sorry, it's late for me. Um, I just started just adding up to this. Is it worth it for me? You know, is it worth it for me to become Mr. Olympian for my kids to say that I'm not a great dad or for me to not be there for them? And the answer was absolutely not. So uh, it just shifted, man. It's like, okay, great. I no longer have the same purpose, the same drive, the same anger that I once did. Um, so now what, what is this new purpose? And, and I've said it before that competing at the Olympia was amazing and, and it was a life dream come true, but it also didn't change who I was as a person. So I started seeking, uh, you know, what is it going to make me happy and fulfilled? And um, ultimately, it was a different path for me. Yeah. Well, one thing uh, for people out there, you know, so in, in life, right, it's very difficult for most people to conceive of really putting, you know, it's a, we, we say, we have a shirt even that says all in all the time, right? People really don't know what that means. They don't understand like the, the depth that you can go for that. And so, you know, I remember when we, when we met and you were really, really into it and you were, you were all in. And uh, what does it mean to be all in when you're all in for bodybuilding? You don't miss a meal. You don't miss a workout. Every workout counts. Sleep is important. And I remember distinctly, I don't even know if I've told you this. So Ben uh, was, uh, during his prep, sleeping in a different bedroom than his wife. And I remember Darielle telling me that she thought that was, like, really weird. And I'm like, that's not really weird. He's committed. Like, you know, he's got, he has no choice. He has to, what is he going to sacrifice his uh, potential sleep, which is very, very important. Um, because he wants to sleep, that's, that's not a choice. And uh, I think most people don't understand the kind of dedication that it takes to go all the way. And you can't, how could you possibly do, that's one small example, right? But how can you possibly um, be everything to everybody if you need to be 100% focused on that? Yeah, it's a very selfish reality, man. It's very, very selfish. And uh, man, there's so many things I did. And, you know, kids come to me now and they go, hey, man, can you help me be a professional bodybuilder? Can you show me what you did and, you know, help me not make mistakes? And the big thing is, is what's what's the level of commitment you're willing to to give, right? Are you interested in being the best bodybuilder in the world? Are you committed? And I thought, ask that question all the time. And, and most people aren't committed, man. Like, you know, there was, there was no whether or not, like, oh, maybe I'll do it, maybe I won't. It never even crossed my mind to not do every single thing that I need to do to be the best. And uh, including, as you say, man, like doing things that maybe other people don't agree with. Or, and again, when my wife entered my life, our conversation was, you know, verbatim. It's like, hey, this is what I am. 
this is what I do. And if you can make that better, you can stay. And if you can't, there's the door. And that sounds terrible and ruthless, but that was literally the conversation. And, um, you know, she was obviously able to accept that and, and, and love who I was. And I still obviously made her life better and cared for her, but it wasn't me making uh, any amendments or adjustments to who I had to become or who I was. Um, it was like, you know, either you're going to, you're going to fit in that life or there's no space. And it sounds pretty shitty, but that's just kind of the, the reality of what it takes to be that level of athlete, I think. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we, we've, we have had a, a whole bunch of, uh, uh, Navy SEALs on the show and um, that same kind of commitment they're doing, especially the, the SEAL Team 6 guys uh, who, are, who are on the black side who do um, whatever they have to do and they're gone all the time and the wives have to be on board and uh, a lot of times it doesn't work out for that very yeah. reason because they've made a commitment to do um, stuff that nobody else would do um, for, for a lot of reasons and uh, it's very difficult for the, the misses uh, to to stay on board and the kids to understand and, and hopefully it ends up working out, but often it, it doesn't. That's even the same thing with business. I mean, yeah. you know, in order to be successful, you have to, it really becomes your primary focus in life. And again, same thing, it's selfish at times and it's, you know, it takes you away from maybe things you want to do, but if you're driven towards that, it's just, it is what it is. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. I, uh, I'm, you know, I have to, it's very good for me that I have Darielle because I'm such a obsessive person that I would that I would just be here. I mean, we're here all night, all day Thursday. It's because the show, but I would be here all day, all night, every day, and I would I would 100% run off people. And and instead, I having three kids and having her to push me. There's there's no choice, you know. Yeah, um, forces balance. Yeah, yeah. Forces I was joking balance. about that just the other day, man. Saying like I, I may have a really long beard, and I don't know that I'd ever leave my house if I didn't have like children and people yeah. around. I just would be constantly learning and reading and building businesses and it's done the same way. I think Aaron, we're kindred spirits, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's yeah. uh that's, it's, it's a good thing. It's definitely a good thing for like mental health and, you know, or maybe I don't, you know, I say that, but I don't know. It's some people, everybody's different. Right. So for me, uh, I'm sure I would feel fulfilled like that and I wouldn't know what I was missing. You know what I mean? So I don't ever, I'm not somebody, I don't, I can't imagine being sad about it, but then you wouldn't know what you're missing by actually having kids. Yeah, just go have that experience so you wouldn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about Generation Iron the movie. It's something you probably haven't talked about, Ben. And the reason why I want to bring it up is because I was, you know, kind of, I don't know, ingrained. I was like part of seeing what was happening on the number one movie, which a lot of people out there may not even realize, may not be, you know, aware of Generation Iron. Or, and now if they know of Generation Iron, it's a much different Generation Iron than what I'm talking about. But the first movie was a theatrical release. It was in theaters. There was tremendous potential. They had unfettered access to the IFBB, to the Olympia stage. To, I mean, basically, they got like, you know, carte blanche. Yeah, so everybody, yeah. everybody said, whatever you want to do, you do, whatever, anything. It'd be like if The Rock wanted to do it today. Maybe, maybe Rock wanted to do it a few years ago. Um, they, they would have been like, whatever you want. And so um, I remember they were very excited about that. And uh, so when I think at the time about Back Back, I think like they didn't have a character uh, like Ben, right? So they had uh, they had Kai, they had Phil. So Kai was the good guy, Phil was the bad guy, right? But Kai uh, is it's a weird, you know, kind of weird artist. I love Kai, but he's like the weird artist guy. And then Phil is like, you know, he, nobody really, he's not eliciting emotion. And so I thought from the very beginning, I'm like, Ben is the guy. Ben is the guy. Ben is the Arnold for the movie. You know, he's the Arnold. But when it got down to Showtime. Ben, you really weren't, 
you weren't so interested in being Arnold anymore. So that's what I was going to get you to talk about. Well, I'll tell you what, man. Um, if I could have ran with the storyline that I wanted to run with, and that was being being honest and showing what actually happens, I would have been all on board. Um, but they were just being completely manipulative with what was what they wanted to see. All of it was contrived, um, and it, it wasn't uh, and it wasn't what I wanted bodybuilding to represent. Um, you know, I'm all for being uh, competitive, but. Um, it was just an attempt to make it um, fabricated, and I just didn't think it was it was where I wanted to go. So you know, just wasn't on board, man. I, I shot down more opportunities to film than I actually took. You know, I've, they spent five days at my house filming the original segment, um, and I was fine. And, and they kept saying, "Hey, will you do this? Will you do this? Will you do this?" And a lot of it was just contrived nonsense. I was like, "What's well, not really telling a story at this point? It's just making up bullshit that." ultimately is not true and and you know even the training in the lab you know so some people thought I, that movie was very polarizing for me right is people either loved me or hated me based on what they thought i was based on the movie and i was like well it's not really true like it's kind of all uh just made up for the movie and people are like oh really like you don't train in the lab all the time and i was like no, man. <laughs> um so again um I would have liked to have uh, had a better, bigger role maybe in that. Um, and I think I certainly could have, and I, I even offered it. I was like, listen guys, I think if you want someone to, to carry this movie and not saying that that's my personality, but like you need, you need something that's dynamic. You need something that's interesting. And we could create a storyline here that's interesting and dynamic. Um, but they just kind of seemed interested in like, you know, they want like, hey, let's go play golf. They're like, Hey, let's go shoot guns. And I was like, okay, that's not, real Let, let's talk about something that's actually like the struggles that we're going through Let, let's go let's let's actually show that let's you know i don't think i didn't want to make it a movie about training because i don't think people would be interested in, in it but like the actual struggles like the actual personality the characters develop that like branch warren's a relatively interesting human being i'm going to guess outside of the gym not just like hey branch go jump on a horse again granted he fell off which made it theatrical but um I think we could actually have had a pretty decent dynamic, even if we interacted a little bit more, it would have been interesting, but there's, I don't know, it's whatever it was, what it became wasn't necessarily the most exciting thing for me. He was going to be the Ivan Drago of generation. That, that's exactly what they wanted me to do. They're like, yeah. Hey man, we're going to, you know, we're going to show you playing, playing in the lab and you know, we want branch to, and, and first thing they said when they came to my house is like, Oh, you know, branch has been talking shit about you. <laughs> like I know Branch isn't talking shit about me, but if you want me to stir something up, we can do that. But like, let, let's make this uh, intentional here, not just like you know this nonsense. So one of the things um, that about you that uh, that so talking competitive Ben, right? You're a very competitive guy. I mean, and I get that. I'm a very competitive guy. Um, when you were competing in bodybuilding, you really did not want to associate or be friends with or. The, the camaraderie you see in pumping iron, that wasn't something you were interested in. No, not always, man, not always. Again, for many reasons, Aaron, like you, you see me now who I am as a human being. Um, one, I'm, I'm relatively introverted or extremely introverted. Two, I just, there wasn't a lot of, I had a lot in common with, with a lot of bodybuilders, man. Like bodybuilders tend to be a very specific personality and I tend to be, tend to be a little bit different, not in a good way or a bad way, just, you know, my intentions are different. My my uh, passions are a little bit different. Uh, plus, uh, I didn't want to have any personal relationships with someone who I'm trying to compete with. I just don't think that's, I don't know, 
if I was a, a you know playing for the New York Yankees, I wouldn't want to be best friends with the guys in the Boston Red Sox, right? Or or whatever metaphor you want to give. It's like they're my they're my competitors, man. Like I'm trying to have any psychological advantage I I can have over you, and I kind of became known for that during my career, for better or worse. Um, and it wasn't always intentional, but it was always uh, always up. It was always on my mind. You know, it was always the idea of like, Arnold, hey. Generation Iron totally lost out. You were the perfect, you were the perfect Arnold. That's, you're saying everything that Arnold would have said. Yeah, I could have, I could have definitely gone a little bit deeper in the mind games if they wanted me to do that. Uh, it was always something I played in my mind, but I never brought it out because, you know, to be honest, I never really got to the highest level of the sport, right? Like even in 2012 and 13, I mean, to come to second at the Arnold was great. But, uh, you know, my 11th place finish at the at the Olympia in 2011, if I would have started breaking into the top seven, top six, then I could have started to be a little bit more uh, outgoing, I guess we'll say. Because, I mean, I, I never really thought I deserved to, to be there yet, right? Like, you can't talk shit when you're not finishing the top six. It doesn't really work well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, um, we're going to move off bodybuilding in a second, but just talking about uh, self-improvement and... and uh, you know, looking at weaknesses and pushing is is the the midsection thing. The crit critique that you got before the that Arnold second place was that your midsection was bigger, right? And uh, and all that stuff. And you were really the first bodybuilder of any kind of size in this recent generation that focused on that and was able to bring it down. And then and then of course do a vacuum, which now is still not commonplace, but way more than it was, you know, before you. It's almost like you brought it back. Talk about yeah, that. That was that was the plan, man. So, uh, man, to be honest, I was so focused on being big. You know, I wanted to compete against Kai Green. I wanted to compete against Rami as he came onto the scene, uh, and there was so much focus on size. It was like jam calories in, eat as much as you can. At one point, I was three hundred twenty pounds. There on stage, that video is showing. I was probably two seventy, um, and I got up as high as two ninety on stage at one point. Do you, ben, do you remember when Dave Palumbo told me he didn't believe how much you weighed, and I took a picture of the scale? I don't remember that now. Yeah, so he didn't believe he didn't believe that, and we took a picture and sent it because you were like a week out, still three hundred pounds. Yeah, um, yeah, but even still, not people don't believe I'm two sixty, but I still am, and I mean I've been off gear for five years basically. Um, but hey, man, it, I don't really care. It is what it is. Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. We were oh, we were talking about the stomach. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, so. Um, you know, you're eating so much food constantly. There's no time to control your stomach. There's just like, it's just always full. And I think that's a big challenge in bodybuilding to walk around at 300 plus pounds all the time, lean and eat healthy foods. It's just so much food, man. Your digestion is just always taxed. So I kind of made the decision toward the end of my career. I was like, all right, I'm going to stop chasing this, this size and actually become a bodybuilder, right? So you know, people associate bodybuilding with being the biggest guy on stage. And I did for a long time. I just want to be bigger and bigger and bigger. And then you're like, man, I started to hate the way I look. I'm like, I just don't like this. It's not what I, I started out for. It's not where I wanted to go. And you know, I say this oftentimes about female bodybuilders, right? It's like no female bodybuilder starts out wanting to look like a man. They don't go, oh, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to become more masculine. But it's not a conscious decision you make. It's just the end result of having to take anabolics or choosing to take anabolics that becomes a side effect. And that was kind of what happened with, with myself. It's like, hey man, I wasn't trying to build a big stomach. I just kind of chased aggressive growth too fast, too long. And uh, the stomach just blew up. And you know, and then finally I was like, fuck this, I hate this. 
I'm going to do something that uh, is going to surprise people. And I, I took the amount of obsession that I put on any, every aspect of bodybuilding and put it on my waist. And I was able to take it down significantly. And now I probably have more people in the world asking me to teach them how to do that than anything else. Because it's not hard. It's actually completely achievable. And even what you see there, knowing what I know now, I could do it at a much better level than even there, right? So even then, it was a lot of trial and error. But since then, it's been like, okay, I understand mechanically uh, and you know internally what should happen or what needs to happen to ultimately make this uh, even more successful than what you guys are seeing in the video there. So it's just, you know, it's a few, it's a very simple set of skills that you can do to turn it around. One starts with eating less food, right? Eating smaller meals, maybe more consistently, um, ensuring you're, you're digesting your food, making some, some strong choices around supporting digestion. And uh, to be honest, I just ate less. And again, I'm certainly not as big, certainly not as, as um, you know, as full. Again, maybe the, maybe the substances are a little bit different there as well. But um, you know, big focus on breathing, big focus on mechanics, smaller meals, and optimizing digestion. Yeah, yeah. I don't think people realize that like the strain on your digestive system as a pro bodybuilder. Um, you know, that many meals that often, like you said, Ben. And yeah, the distension, like the late mid to late 90s bodybuilding where everyone was pushing size like Nasser and Dorian it just became the norm Jean-Pierre Fuchs people like that where again you're just overeating when they're normal you know if there's things that allow you to even overeat more yeah the stomach distension just ends up being so so commonplace so yeah um Ben my, my last bodybuilding question before we move off this all together um is uh training legs so training legs is a is a, is a thing that's that you don't like to do? Well, I've been doing it every week for a while now. Come on now. We gotta talk to Ryan. Ryan, show him. Tell him. Tell him, Ryan. Wait, he misses most of it. Put the camera on Ryan. That's not Ryan. That's Ben. Oh, there's Ryan. We put in a lot of texting. We busted out, bro. We break <laughs> machines. I can't fit my pants anymore, bro. What are you talking about? I have to wear a spandex to work now. Yeah. Anyway, Please so don't. okay, go back to me. <laughs> so so when you train legs, Ben, a lot of people, including I won't even, I would even do it. Uh, but you know, I had a, um, uh, a business partner that I was involved with that very mad at you about that and, and hated you because you embarrassed him uh, with legs. And so a lot of people felt like that where if they train legs with with you, you went so far past what most people were accustomed to or are capable of. How much of that do you think is, you know, obviously it's got to be mostly mental, right? Of course. Yeah, of course. Um, I just wanted to make everybody know that I was uh, going to do whatever it took. And, uh, you know, I, I had this this conversation with myself. So if, if anyone doesn't know my story, I grew up in a family of uh, overweight alcoholics and everyone was very lazy. Nobody ever exercised. Um, and I hated it. I hated that that felt like it was my destiny. Uh, it really hurt me. Like I'd never wanted to be associated with that in my life. So the day that I moved to California and I stood outside Gold's and, and I said to myself, every single person in this gym is going to know me as the hardest working guy they've ever trained with. And that was my attachment. And I said, I, I will not stop. I will not let anybody beat me. Um, oftentimes I tried to do two sets to every one. Uh, if I couldn't double your weight, I was going to do double your reps. And uh, it was just always my attachment and I wouldn't stop till I did and I had a lot of discomfort and uh, I learned to enjoy it after a while and that was kind of my egocentric attachment right I would always jokingly say you know at the, at the 
deepest depths of your heart is set smile and I always did and, and I always have this big arrogant smile on my face when I was doing things that most people couldn't and uh, whether or not it was you know f for the betterment of my physique at that time didn't matter to me it was just like I'm just gonna do what, uh, whatever it takes and, and you know the, the focus for me was not just being a good bodybuilder it was having the best legs in the world and uh, that was you know whether for, for better or worse that was the goal God, that's an oldie. That's before I was even pro, I think. Yeah. It's yeah, probably like, the time I was just talking about. 2007. Yeah, I think that might have been, uh, yep, 2007. Oh, yeah. 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 If we keep going too long, you'll, you'll see a ghost. Wow. Let's, uh, let's, let's go to the next one. <laughs> you'll see a ghost. Let's go to the next, uh, let's go to the next one. So, so Ben, look, that kind of intensity, and one of the things that I, uh, that I always struggle with with bodybuilders it's also interesting with Navy SEALs too, which is such a weird comparison. Uh, not just Navy SEALs, but Delta, all the guys who are like, oh, that we the know that are pinnacle. The, the tier one guys. Yeah. It's so funny because it's it's so translatable. Like if you were at the top, like if you were the best, if you're able to channel that kind of energy into something, whether it's being a, a America's top warrior or being anything, a pro bodybuilder that's at the top and putting out effort that looks like that, it's, it should be transferable into something else. And the interesting thing that happens is some, for some reason, it almost never is. And, uh, and occasionally it is. And we know, we know if you see more often than not, more often that it gets lost, it, somehow in translation, it gets lost where you have all of this discipline, you have all of this energy and focus and drive, but then you don't do the thing that you had it initially. And then you go, Oh, well, that's it. I don't know what to do next. So what Ben did, which is really unique is Ben took that and moved that into improving himself. Um, unlocking bigger muscles, to unlocking his mind, to unlocking uh, the potential, basically. So Ben, what I wanted to talk about is, so when you leave bodybuilding and you move on in life, and move on in your goals, how do you even find this? And then how does that, how does it translate from one thing to another? Um, certainly discipline's a piece, but uh, for me, I think it's, it's big goals and never stopping never being content, I guess, right? So, you know, when I started out to be a bodybuilder, I had this vision of, you know, I don't just want to be the best in my gym or the best in my city or the best in my country, I want to be the best in the world. And so I had this world-class standard and the same thing's happening in business, Aaron, is which is why I'm blessed to associate with people like yourself and, and other very, very successful entrepreneurs. Um, I just create this standard of, I'm not sure how I'm going to get there, but I'm certainly not going to stop until I do. And you have, I have this relentless um, purpose, this relentless passion. Every day I get up wanting to work hard and I never feel like I work a day in my life. Um, so, you know, what that is, where that comes from, maybe it's just an inner discontent. Maybe it's, um, you know, something where I, I just feel like I have this inner passion that I just never want to stop. I never want to slow down. I never want to fall short of my potential as a human being. I truly envision this life we all have as a gift and to not, you know, uh, ultimately actualize our potential as a human being would be just such a waste. And man, I just love, love, love the opportunity to build my mind every day, to build my, my body every day and uh, ultimately give back to people who are in the same place. And that's really where my passion exists is that people who, you know, want to be where I was or uh, want to be better than I was. 
And uh, man, I made so many mistakes and had so much pain and you know so much internal um, trauma ultimately, and that I can give back. And that that's why you know I have this incredible opportunity to to lead, to mentor, to um, you know just guide the, the either the younger generation of aspiring bodybuilders or fitness enthusiasts or just any men and women who uh, aspire to be the best version of themselves and. You know, what I realized in bodybuilding was that there's nothing outside of yourself that's ever going to make you fulfilled or happy. You know, I stepped on the Olympus stage. I've made a lot of money. All those things just, they're fleeting, man. They can they can be taken from you. And the thing that can't is ultimately this inner peace and this inner joy and the ability to control your mind, right? Your mind is, is the uh, ultimately the canvas on which you get to vi- uh, engage with the world or, or uh, interact with the world. So... Uh, if you can create a mind that is um, supporting you, that's at peace, that's you know, ultimately achieving goals, um, it's just such a better place to come with the world than always being angry or always being uh, discontent or um, you know, it's just that, that's kind of where my journey has transitioned to, man. It's just the, the internal reality of um, becoming the, the creator of your mind or at least the observer of your mind rather than somebody who's a victim of your mind. Do you think, Ben, you know, because we're, we're talking specifically about bodybuilding, but do you think at some point um, your expertise and the things you're learning will transition past bodybuilding into, you know, uh, the more general population? Because you, you mentioned mentoring bodybuilders who want to be like, like yeah. saw you or, or better. It already has. So I, I honestly don't mentor any bodybuilders anymore. I don't really coach anybody anymore. I've got a couple, but like most time, most of the time it's, it's entrepreneurs. Most of the time it's people who are, you know, high level athletes uh, outside of bodybuilding. So that's really what you realize, you know, if you want to help the world, you have to solve bigger problems and helping people build their biceps is, is not really a, a, you know, a big problem. Um, so ultimately it's it's on to much bigger things it's like how do you change behaviors how do you change identities how do you change beliefs uh all the while just giving people the skill set to build uh, a body that they love and feel confident i think building a body is very important obviously we want to be healthy we want to be lean maybe we want to be strong maybe we want to be muscular but that's just really to to build the confidence and and have this vessel that can support an adventure man like i create i create an attachment around being a renaissance man or at least working toward being a renaissance man which means in my eyes i want to be uh, incredibly adaptable to any type of physical uh, endeavor that's put in front of me and any type of mental endeavor that's put in front of me you know i want to have the confidence and the skill set to ultimately feel empowered no matter what's thrown at me and that's kind of what i'm doing with most of my clients at this point is um, okay, what does it look like to be strong mentally? How do we overcome these limiting beliefs? How do we overcome these challenges and ultimately step into them rather than avoiding them? And I think that's um, a very powerful place to come to the world. And that's really where I've shifted to, man. And everyone goes, hey, Ben, when are you writing the book? And you know, what, what book am I writing? Is it I'm writing the, the Muscle Intelligence Manifesto, teaching people how to exercise? That's cool. And that's really what people come to me for, or, or at least how they find me, um, but not usually where we end up, right? Is that's more than one of the... the uh, things that people realize is they may come to me because I teach them how to build their legs or I teach them how to build their back or their biceps or whatever it may be, but they end up going down a much deeper path because of the, the lessons that we tend to advocate within the muscle intelligence community. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And that's the reason why I mentioned it is because I think there's obviously, 
you've learned so much more and there's so much more to offer people than how to you know build muscles which is obviously very important to a lot of people but you learn the rest of the body and the mind right there's it's such a broader group of people and so many people are trying to figure out so much more than that right and uh and i know people right now optimization of uh human body and you know hacking and all this stuff is is a huge huge deal and so what i wanted to ask you is can you list off some of the things because i've seen all the stuff you've done or we either we talked about it or i saw it on social media you've done a lot of experimentation on yourself in terms of learning not just yourself but like where your capabilities are and also experimenting and seeing like what's out there what what kind of things can you mention that you've done, whether good or bad, but that are outside of the ordinary people not know about? Sure, man. Well, um, I'm definitely uh, someone who likes to experiment. So, you know, I've looked at, I mean, I've taken, you know, countless courses to try to learn everything I possibly can about the body. And I've created this really simplified framework. Um, you know, if you want to change your body, there's only a certain number of things you can do. And I've created that simple framework based on all of these courses I've taken, all this experimentation I've done. And that's everything from, you know, extensive study of blood work and, and my own blood work and, and urine and stool and uh, genetics, uh, and then getting into things that are maybe a little bit different. And maybe it's uh, experimenting with different types of diets like ketogenic dieting or vegan dieting or uh, you know fasting uh, getting into then psychedelic um, you know medicines and experiences um, really anything where like hey what does this look like and is this going to help me in some way and and ultimately I don't advocate for a lot like I try not to be dogmatic about things um, and every, I just see everything as a tool in the tool belt and I don't try to push ever anyone into anything right I don't think everyone should do keto I don't think anyone everyone should do vegan I don't think everyone anyone should do anything except what works for you in this exact moment in your life in this exact climate and this exact season of life and uh, that's really maybe where I uh, am different from most people is you know, from a business perspective, it's it's very useful to be dogmatic. People like to be polarizing, but I, I don't. Like, I try not to be polarizing about anything. I just try to listen very intently to my clients or to my audience and say, okay, based on what I hear, this is what you should look at, or maybe you should consider doing this thing. And so rather than, as I say, rather than being uh, very dogmatic about things, I'm trying to develop a very diverse understanding of all the things and go, okay, you know, here's how we change your behavior. Here's how we change your body. Here's how we change your identity. And uh, and ultimately, I've got this, uh, or I'm developing these skill sets to help people change all of these different potential, um, you know, things that they're looking to adjust in their life. So again, out of those those answers your question, if those answer your questionnaire. But there's a lot of stuff, you know, countless, endless um, meditation retreats. Uh, I've, I've dabbled in some energy things where, you know, you, you know, you're doing different types of modalities with energy practitioners or energy workers. Um, so both in, in the realm of the five senses and beyond. That's what I think is interesting is that because you've done that kind of stuff. So there's things that, that you've done where I'd be like, nah, bullshit. Right. But you do it and you give it a shot. And sometimes, sometimes it comes back with great results. Sometimes you come back and you go, oh, I didn't do it. Yeah. I say I'm an open-minded skeptic, man. I go into everything with a completely open mind. And I'm like, hey, man, I don't know what I don't know, right? I don't know what exists beyond my five senses. So if somebody tells me they have this this capability, who the hell am I to say they don't? Yeah. So I'll sit there and I'll just, with an open mind, take it in, learn, 
Uh, and if I if it was a great experience to be had, wonderful. If not, I still don't judge. I'm like, okay, great. You believe it. It works for you. That's amazing. You know, whether it's placebo or not, amazing. Um, but uh, I just, like I said, open-minded skeptic is, is my uh, attachment. So with that, with that in mind, what is the most extreme thing you've done, uh, like in terms of testing? Like what's the craziest, or let's say craziest, because it could be most effective also, but what's the most extreme thing if people were to hear, you're like, whoa, that's a lot. Like I wouldn't do that. Testing. So like substances? I don't know. What do you mean? Whatever, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever you think is. Like the sensory deprivation. Whatever you think is, yeah, whatever you think is, is what most people would say that's extreme. It may be, it may be extremely effective or maybe totally crazy. And you're like, what I do that for? Yeah. Um, well, seven days of um, meditation training, uh, 16 hours a day was pretty intense. Um, psychedelics are pretty intense, especially when you're doing extended exposures. Um, Extended fasts are pretty intense. I haven't done too crazy fast. I've done four days. Uh, but man, a friend of mine just finished 55 days. That'll be interesting. I might go there one day. Not quite yet. Um, sure. Yeah. So what's, I mean, geez, uh, you know, uh, carnivore experience, experiments, vegan experiments, um, you know, extreme ketogenic experiments, um, you know, really low protein, really high fat for a really long time. Um, and just trying to test as many things I can, because if someone says something works, so here's basically my approach. I usually do 30 day experiments and I'll, and I'll do my blood at the beginning and the end and see what happens. And again, 30 days isn't really enough time for a lot of these things because you realize the genetics uh, don't really have enough time to catch up. So changes in your body ultimately have to happen at the genetic level. And sometimes that can take up to six months. Um, but sometimes you realize pretty quickly in, into an experiment that this is either working really well or not working really well. So to take something for six months, you kind of got to be bought into it. And honestly, I haven't found anything because usually the right answer exists somewhere in the middle. Um, so I haven't found anything in the extreme ends that are worth following for six months. Um, because as I said, like usually like you know, carnivore, that doesn't really work all that all that well long-term. Vegan certainly isn't going to work very well long-term. So the answer exists somewhere in the middle. My joke is always I'm 50% carnivore and 50% vegan. Um, you know, and, and me too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't, kind of, kind of an underwhelming answer, I guess, but, uh, you know, all these things I think is accumulation of, of experiences that allows you to just, uh, maybe, um, start to objectify what works for me and then maybe where it situationally works for other people. Yeah, I, I, uh, I could totally see that. So when you were, when you were a bodybuilder, you, you didn't try any, this is all post bodybuilding. I didn't try any what, sorry. In other words, you didn't experiment on these type of things as a bodybuilder. You weren't trying to be a competitive bodybuilder and doing anything like uh, vegan carnivore, etc. things like that. No, no. So, man, my, my bodybuilding days were interesting because I wish I had had someone who I trusted to guide me. And I really didn't. And like the bodybuilding world is, is um, very much, as you know, Aaron, based on history and dogma. And like, well, this is you do this because this is what worked for me. And there was no one in, in the space that I knew. Uh, maybe there was just not anyone I knew that was uh, thinking at a high level, doing anything that was actually in intentional other than like, hey, do this because this is what this guy did and this will work for me. And my brain just doesn't work like that, man. So I, I had found a method that worked for me and I just stuck with it. And uh, that honestly isn't all that exciting. 
but uh, I didn't have anyone who I saw as a, as a high level mentor who I would be like, you know, hey man, can you please advise me on this stuff? I don't think there is one. I don't think there is no. one. No, and that's why I'm aiming to become that person. And again, this is where I, I'll be transparent about this. This is where I kind of fight this battle with myself is I think my value in the world has transcended bodybuilding. I think there's so much more I can provide to the world, but there's also no one else in the bodybuilding world that can do what I do and thinks the way I think and it sounds arrogant as heck, but I've put in a lot of time and a lot of years and a lot of experimenting with a lot of different things and I know what works. I know what's useful and, uh, you know, again, there's still many things I'm sure I don't know, but uh, relative to most people in the fitness and bodybuilding community, uh, I think at a different level and, um, you know, I'd love to be able to take one person or one group of people and mentor them and be like, hey, here's all the things you need to look at, which is kind of this framework I created. And, you know, now I do do that. Like I said, I have a group of high level coaches that I mentor uh, on like all the things that need to go into creating a successful transformation, not just for a bodybuilder, but for anybody really. Right. It's this holistic approach to building your greatest body. Um, so my intent, you know, being transparent with everybody is um, I'm very likely to push hard for the next couple of years as far as getting this information out, digging deeper and understanding it at a much deeper level even than I do now, uh, and then leaving and then probably exiting bodybuilding, exiting fitness. Uh, I'll probably still remain in fitness because I love it. But like, I think just there's there's so much more value to be had um, in things that transcend bodybuilding and, and maybe even fitness, right? I think I'll always have my hand in fitness because it's just, it's me. It's, it's who I am. I always love to train. I always love to be fit and healthy, but, um, you know, where the next, uh, level exists, I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I totally, man, I totally get that. I totally get that because it's like for, for me personally, um, a lot of the bodybuilding stuff that we do, me and Eric is not really related to revenue or building following or making money anymore. It's almost I'm not saying it's totally, but it's almost like paying it forward kind of stuff yeah, where it's like, it yeah, where it's like, well, I'm going to sponsor these 300 NPC shows, not because we're going to make money on them, but because we're, that's like paying it forward. It's like something we should do because it, it created where we're at. I love it. You love it. It creates this whole space that we're in. We're it's all like, out of yeah, money. We're all out. You, I want to support it. I want to be, it's not like it's a negative thing. It's not like we're losing money hand over fist, but you know, it's hard to, to judge the ROI on a, on a, a local bodybuilding show and but we do it and we support them and because we want to and uh it's hard to imagine a time even you know years from now that i wouldn't be involved in a lot of the same stuff even if there's billions and billions of dollars in the bank account which there will be so um even if that were to happen you know or when that will happen um i would still support these shows and these people because that's where we came from and because it's what i love so uh it's not about an roi always right it can be and there's nothing wrong with it being part of that but for for us a lot of it is also paid for it yeah man i'd really love to change the fitness industry to be honest like i hate the idea of um allowing it to keep going the way it is where it's the blind leading the blind and man, it almost hurts me to watch what some of these coaches do to these young uh, athletes and bikini athletes and, and the diets that they follow it's just it's just senseless and uh, it pains me. So I hope at one point I can become part of the catalyst to change, you know, and, and ultimately perpetuate an intelligent approach to muscle, to fitness. And that was my mission when I started my business, Muscle Intelligence 2011. I said, I want to be the catalyst for change in this industry. And I think I've been a big part of that. And uh, maybe not, but maybe that's my arrogance. Um, but now it's like, okay, how do we help everybody, right? So I, I've maybe been given some opportunities over the next uh, year or two 
that maybe allow me to increase my reach and uh, increase this message. So I'm creating certification, I'm mentoring coaches um, to allow me ultimately to not just have to be the single guy uh, staying at the top of the mountain going, everybody listen to me. Now we've got this huge community of people beyond millions now um, who are ultimately teaching and, and, and uh, using these principles of, you know, hey, how do you actually do this in an intelligent way that's not gonna hurt you in the long run, it's not gonna kill you, it's not gonna make you unhealthy. Um, and that's really what I'm about, man, is lifting other one, other people up, empowering them with the knowledge and skill set to live their greatest life in the body they love. And that's really what this is about. Um, I think I think you're doing it, Ben. I think you're doing that's it for sure. Uh, the MI40 gym, what was the genesis of this, of the place? I mean, it's in Tampa. It's a great it's a great gym. I was there, we were there last year, right? And uh, fantastic. Yeah. I know I know it was a, it was a passion. Project. That's it. Yeah. I mean, I never meant to, to make it a revenue thing. It was like, you know, powerhouse, the gym I trained at, which I loved, but it was just too busy, man. Workouts would take three hours and I had kids and I wanted to be a great bodybuilder. And I was like, okay, forget this. I'm going to build this hub and I'm going to make it basically a place for me to train and film. Uh, so I built the podcast studio. I built offices for my team. I built the kitchen so we could have, uh, you know, ultimately have a, a cooking show. I built the classroom so we could teach. Um, and I just kind of wanted it to be for me and uh, had a couple coaches that worked for me. So you guys can use this too. And it was kind of like, you know, when I grew up, I want to have a gym and I'm not going to invite anybody but my best friends. And that's kind of what it was. <laughs> um, and then eventually it became a revenue model, sort of like, you know, high end uh, personal training and, and some high end clients. And that's it. And really, it's just a passion project, man. Like you, Aaron, I'm, I'm a fan of exercise and a fan of fitness. And I traveled the world and got to use some of the best pieces of equipment and, um, you know, bought everything I ever wanted, put it in one place. And it's kind of this cool little uh, training hub or this training uh, palace, we'll call it. You know, I was going to call it the temple, but, uh, you know, an homage to, to the, the goat, Dorian. But uh, it's ended up being an M40 gym. And it's an awesome place, man. It's got great energy, great equipment, great people. And I'm very blessed to, to be part of it. You inspired uh, me, Ben, because um, with the Red Cow One Gym, you know, the, the thought process has always been, since me and Eric started it, has always been to stop taking members and start doing entrance interviews. That's one of the things, I don't know if you guys still do that at MI40, yeah. but when you, yeah, when, you, when, yeah, when you first started it, I remember talking to you and you're like, yeah, so you can't just join, you have to do an interview first to get, you know, get the okay, to get the check mark to, to come in and pay. Right. I was like, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it's basically the no asshole rule, right? <laughs> um, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, it's and people, my, my team would literally say, hey, it's Ben's gym. And if he wants to kick you out, he will. He's not really nice all the time. So as long as you like take care of stuff and, and you work hard and you're not on your cell phone, you put shit away, you're going to be good. And if you don't, he'll kick you out. And I literally did a lot. So, <laughs> you know, I always say I didn't need your money. If you want to come in and play in my house, you can, but you better respect it. Yeah, man. I'm a little more laid back now, man, than I was. I love that. So right now we have a, a little over 1,200 members or so. So it is. Oh, yeah. That's what great. Tell me. Um, so, um, you know. It, I've got 100 max. Point. The, the, the kind of the metric is the minute that we walk in there and we're like, ah, it's too busy for us, that's when it gets scaled back. Yeah, that's when we do the entrance interviews. And uh, we'll get somebody, maybe not uh, of your intensity, but we're going to get somebody who's going to be like a dick, right? He's going to be like, you like cursing in the music in the in, in, the, in there? Are you gonna talk? Are you looking at text on your phone? No texting, or you're in. I get a cursing, kick, okay. Gonna get yeah. kicked out of your own gym. <laughs> well, no, no, I have I have an exception. 
I don't have a pass. I can text an email. Oh, you can get a letter from the doctor? No, yeah, we get a letter from the doctor. Well, you know, you're going to set the standard, man. And that's what I found. It's like if I didn't put my weights away, then nobody else would, right? And I always had to be the guy who was setting the standard because they're watching you. It's just like your children, right? Oh, yeah. Like, you know, your children hear nothing of what you say and see everything of what you do. And that's the same with your members, man. If they see you respecting your stuff and taking care of it, they'll do the same. So I always have to make sure that I, I uh, pulled up my socks. Let's talk about that. And I don't even have that on my, on my uh, notes here, but... The fatherhood is something that I focus a lot on. Um, you know, having three little boys, I focus a lot on that, and I think about it a lot. And I think about not just legacy and stuff, but like how do you raise? Because I had a great, I had a great, 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 great dad. Very fortunate to have a great dad, a great mom. Um, my dad passed away sort of young, you know, when I was, uh, you know, a few years ago, four years ago. Um, but you know, he per gave me a lot of great lessons. But he didn't. He was not like me, right? As great as he was, he wasn't like me. My mom is certainly not like me. Um, and so now raising three little boys, I focus a lot of my time and attention when I'm home and not thinking all this this stuff here, right? I think a lot about like, what, do I, what would I want to teach these guys? How do I want to teach them? What's important to them? How do you create the next generation of patriotic alpha males, right? Which is a weird thing to say, but it's what I think about. That's the truth. And I don't want them to be losers. I want them to be winners. I want them to understand what it means to try their hardest, never give up push a hundred percent and, uh, and create something for themselves. And so it's a thing that, that, that goes through my mind a lot. When you, uh, put your kids to bed, when you talk to your kids at night or when you're around them, what are the ideals that you're trying to, you know, take from you and give to them? Sure, man. Um, that's a lot. I could talk on that for a long time, but, uh, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm very big on education. So, um, I'm trying to instill curiosity more than anything, more than, than the ability to do math and science. I want them to have, uh, never lose, let's say, the childhood curiosity and wonderment. And uh, I think by presenting them with opportunities for, learn, for learning, children will inherently just want to learn. Um, and then giving them a standard of learning and saying, okay, well, what does that look like every day, right? And so it's, it's one thing for your body, one thing for your mind, and one thing for your soul every day. And that's, that's all they're attached to doing every day. That's the only objective measure they have. It's like, did you do something for your body, something for your mind, and something for your soul? And that could be anything they choose. Uh, and I think that, uh, that attention to constantly ascending, constantly progressing, will, I believe, afford them the incredible opportunity to always just be working towards something better than, than they did yesterday. And I think if we can uh, introduce that in uh, into their lives of just paying attention to small things and making sure you don't go to bed every night unless you built your mind and you built your body and ultimately fulfilled your soul, um, you know that in of itself, that mindset of constantly ascending uh, self, right? And I don't. I always try to. You know, you're a very competitive guy like me, Aaron, and I don't know that I try to instill that in my kids as much as being competitive with themselves. Like, are you better today than you were yesterday? Because, man, you realize, like, I don't know how you did in school, but I didn't pay attention to school. I didn't do shit in school. I, I didn't care um, because I just didn't think it fit. I just didn't like it. Whereas what I'm trying to make them do is, is make them realize that they can pursue anything. And when they find their true passion and purpose, there's going to be so much natural, intuitive inspiration that exists in what they do. Nobody's going to have to tell them to do it. And that's really what bodybuilding allowed me to find, man. As soon as I found that, there was nobody had to tell me to go to the gym. Nobody had to tell me to work hard. Nobody had to tell me to eat my food. That's all I wanted to do. I was completely inspired. And then after leaving bodybuilding, you know, I've got 
you know, probably the equivalent of multiple PhDs in education since I've left bodybuilding because nobody's to tell me to do it. Like I'm so inspired every day to get up and be better and better and better. In this short amount of time, I've accumulated so much knowledge and, and understanding of things. So rather than forcing them to do something, I encourage them to be empowered to make their own decisions, to uh, ultimately realize that once they find what's inspiring to them, once they find what they truly love, to go after it, regardless of what anyone says. There's nothing that they should do in life. There's nothing that they need to do in life. It's only what they want to do, what they're inspired to do. And if they find that, uh, I think the world will become their oyster. Oh, that's really funny. That picture comes up. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's great. That's that's my fridge. Um, so every day we have a word of the day. And yeah, there's my munchkins. Um, yeah, every day we have a word of the day and, and they're always learning something new. So um, just try to honestly make them love learning and love being creative my daughter's favorite <laughs> this is pretty funny um yeah so my daughter's favorite thing to do is eat steak and my son's favorite thing to do is, is pick on his sister <laughs> yeah they're they're wonderful little 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 humans man i'm very blessed they certainly make my life better every day and they do way more for me than i'll ever do for them so uh, i'm an eternally grateful to my two children who i continually call my angels <laughs> Uh, for literally saving my life in bodybuilding, man. As you know, Aaron, I was pretty focused and, and pretty committed, and they, they saved my life. That's awesome. I think they tend to save us in a lot of ways that we don't maybe recognize right away. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's, I always said this about, I don't know, I guess my experience with male friends. It's either you're going to go one way or the other when your kid's born. If you're going to run right at it and be the best dad possible, or you're going to run for the fucking hills. Um, I don't really see too much in between. And, I think when you run towards it, it's like your kids are saving you in some way that you don't really see. Um, you might not recognize it right away, but I've always felt that way. And one question, just kind of like what you were talking about, Ben, you don't you don't have a formal education in like science, physiology. Yeah, yeah, I have an undergrad in, in kinesiology. Okay. Yeah. But your higher learning has just happened on your own due to passion, correct? Yeah, man, I did just enough to get by. It's honestly, I, I think this is an honest statement. I, I'd have to maybe explore deeper, but I don't think I actually read a book until the end of high school. I got all the way through high school never having actually read a book. Uh, I don't think I, I mean, I, I never, certainly never read textbooks. I would go to class and learn just enough to pass the tests and fa found a way to get my ass into university. And, you know, I did okay in university, but only because I kind of felt like I had to, otherwise I wouldn't have any friends. I really didn't want to be the loser who dropped out. Um, but all the education really happened after, man, even after my bodybuilding career. So, you know, obviously during my bodybuilding career, I, I was maybe maybe I'm hard on myself. Like, you know, I certainly did learn some things. I took, took some classes, certainly have a university degree, so I didn't do nothing. But, yeah, everything's happened after. The reason why I ask is because I'm sure you get it. I know Aaron gets it. I get it. Where people are like, how do I do what you do? And, you know, what classes do I take? What degree do I get? Hell, my degree was originally in forensics and then I ended up in you know this path but I think you know always the best answer is if you find an obsession where something it's where it really is like that's you obsess about it and I mean in a positive way I mean it can turn negative sometimes just because it becomes all you think about but there is no a lot of times a, a formal education that can put you down that path it's just you having that inner passion to say hey I want to explore this I want to suck up everything I can from it because it's you know, that's most important to you at that time. So, yeah, you just touched on that point is, I don't know, that's one of those things is, I guess, it's like an advice thing. Like, we get that all the time, that question. Oh, yeah. And you kind of just nailed it on the head. It's like, it's just a passion it's, that you had that led like, to. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's uh, for, for me anyway, 
I never finished high school. I got a GED. Uh, never went to college. Never got a master's in business or any of that. You got a master's in business. That's, I love, <laughs> and I got done with it in five months because yeah. I did more on the job than I did in the class. But I never, I never got any of that shit. And the truth is, as Ben said, it's being intellectually curious. Yep. If you're really interested in something, you'll learn it. And oh, for yeah. me personally, I've always been, if I, if I love something or I'm interested in something, I'm going to absorb it. I'm going to get very into it. And I love actually, you know, as people say, and I heard this for me personally, for my little boys, they say, well, um, well, if you didn't go to college, you didn't get a master's degree, you probably don't care if they do, but I do. I want them to get a degree. I want them to go to college. I want them to get a master's degree. I want them to go to Ivy League school. I want them to meet all the people there. I want them to network, right? I want that. And they don't have to do any of that shit. So obviously they can be successful doing none of it. They can, you know, they can learn on the job, right? They can, they can. But there's a level of, uh, for me personally, because uh, now that I know a lot of the people that have done those things, I'm like, wow, that would be awesome to, to go to whatever school. And now they're at a great school now, but if they go to Yale and they're in School and Bones, they're like, you know, they're meeting, they're meeting these people, right? And while that's not important, it's not necessary, it is awesome. And so I would love for them to do that. Although, on the other hand, if they say, I don't want to go to college at all, and I want to do family business, or they are focused on whatever, they want to learn the, the business of manufacturing. If they're like I am, and which I'll certainly encourage big time, and they focus 100% on that and learning it, they'll be successful anyway. Well, so I told my oldest, you know, when he was first going to college, he wasn't sure what he wanted to do. He loved cars. I was like, listen, if you want to go to a vocational school, I'm fine. If that's what you're passionate about, because I don't care. You let's know, go 100%. Yeah. Just if you're going to do it, just go all in and don't give up. Crush it. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm, I'm bored with that as well. It's just at the end of the day, college degrees, especially at Ivy League school, is going to get you a seat at the table, right? Like, you got to get your foot in the door. And, and sometimes, you know, you and I are in, had, had the huge advantage of, or, you know, being a professional bodybuilder gets me in a lot of doors, man. Gets me in a lot of tables. Uh, you know, credibility is is massive, right? So, whatever you can do to stack credibility, right? This idea of unimpeachable credentials. What are your credentials? So when you sit at the table, people go, "Oh shit, this person's legit." You know, whether or not those schools actually get you a better education is irrelevant. It's like, yes, unfortunately, unfortunately, your credentials do matter because people do give a shit about how you look or how you know what you've done in the past because it does say a lot about your character. So even though I'm not attached to the actual education you receive at those places, I think you can do it on your own. I think that the fact that you prove to the world and to yourself that you can set a goal and fall through uh, makes you a, a successful addition to any team, right? Like if you can get on the Olympia stage, chances are you can follow through on some things in business. If, you know, maybe. <laughs> if, you can, if you can go through Harvard, you can make through Harvard uh, Business School or undergrad, chances are you're, you have the ability to sit down and think your way through a problem that's going to present itself at work. And that person's going to be a better hire than someone who hasn't in most cases, not always, right? So, you know, I said to myself, if my kids never went to school and they're 19 years old right now and, you know, high school's over or whatever, what would I want to, to be able to say about them? And it's just like, hey, I want you to be a good human being who has the ability to think critically. If I can not send them to school and teach them that by the time they're 18 and 19, I think they come to the world as an adult with a really good uh, opportunity to exceed um, or succeed above everybody else. Uh, just be a great human being. Lift others up and be, have the ability to think critically for yourself. You do that, you're going to succeed. And do you ever want worry like so for for uh, for me? You know, thinking about higher education, uh, it's very different than when we were kids. Uh, now, so so I raise my children just like you do. I have a very uh, specific. Kind of standard that I set 
and, uh, and I'm very particular about the things I teach them and the things they learn, the things they read, you know, et cetera. And then you let them go, right? You do this 18 years or whatever it is um, of undergraduate, right? Or, or under undergraduate. And then you send them to a college. And right now it's a weird time. And maybe it won't be when, when my kids and your kids go and Eric's kids go to college. Maybe it won't be as weird. But right now you send them to a school and now you're sending them to professors that may think very, very different than you. Very, very different than me. Very different than Eric. And then you set that child up to look up to a professor or other students um, that are now, you know, I guess, uh, imposing other ideas or, or at least professing that the right ideas are the are different than what you've taught them. Is that something you worry about? No, um, I, you know, I have, but I also realize if I have the ability to spend uh, a little bit of time with my kids now, um, I can really shape the way they think. So. You know, I don't spend all my time with my kids and there's certainly other people who have the ability to shape their consciousness way more than I do because they maybe spend more time with them than I do, whether it be teachers or, or family or whomever. Uh, but you realize that if you spend quality time with them and they can see the person you are and they ask you questions, they observe who you are, um, they develop the ability to think critically. At least I'm, I'm seeing this very much with my kids. Like if I'm, you know, I've been on the road for a month and I come back. I'm teaching on the month I come back and within three days I can see them already shifting back, shifting in a positive way. Um, so yes, of course, you know, you're going to have people who influence them in a negative way, but really we're teaching them to think critically, man. And that there's going to be, man, uh, always there's going to be struggles, right? We almost encourage the struggles and we encourage the challenges. And, and then you and I are just there as parents or whoever the parents happens to be uh, as, as a confidant, as a sounding board, as like, you know, I want to have a great relationship with my kids until I die. And uh, I always want to be the person they come to when there's an obstacle, when there's a challenge, when there's something that they're thinking about. And I'm not going to tell them how to think, right? I'm, I'm certainly not going to say, hey, that's wrong. I'm going to ask better questions, right? And, and that's the way I teach now is, you know, anyone who's been a part of my mentorship knows that I don't often teach in absolutes. I just, you know, if people ask a question, they're having a hard time with something, I'll just ask better questions and I'll direct their consciousness with, uh, getting to think a little bit deeper and then you know if we can do that in such a way oftentimes they'll come to the right decision for them so um, you know that would be maybe a piece of advice for parents out there stop trying to tell them what to do just ask better questions uh, to direct their thought process or maybe present a new side of the story they're not seeing I mean great time to talk about this stuff with the whole American election going on right now it's like I mean all they're trying to do is influence the way you look at the world the way you think about each candidate and that's ultimately the job of a parent is like, you know, I, I can't tell you how to vote, but I can certainly present each side of the equation in, in a way that maybe influences you one way or the other or not. Um, without getting into election, we don't want to go there. You do a lot with that. Yeah. What is muscle intelligence for people that out there that don't know? Give us the background on that. And uh, what do people know out there? Yeah, man. So I'll give you the 30 second, maybe a little longer. So 2007, I was preparing for my first national show and uh, I had so much knee pain, I couldn't even walk up the stairs. Uh, I'd been to 15 different therapists and everybody said, uh, you know, hey, man, there's nothing we can do. Um, so I was like, OK, well, I guess I'm not competing. I'm kind of screwed. And then my coach at the time goes, hey, go see this one last guy. And I was like, oh, God, whatever. So I go see him uh, lay down. He starts working on my feet. I go, hey, bud, problems at my knee. He goes, nice, let me do my thing. So I get up from the table after having not really walked for three months and my knee pain was completely gone. 
Um, now it had shifted into the other knee and I was like, what's going on? Came back the next day, fixed that knee by working on my feet. And it blew my mind to realize like I had a biomechanics degree and I didn't, I didn't understand anything about, um, you know, that this, the interconnected nature of the body. So that guy who fixed my knee took me to the gym that week and he goes, Hey man, I want to teach you some stuff. And like, you know, my big egocentric self said, you know, man, I know a lot about training. You don't need to teach me. And just blew my mind. And he taught me something about exercise that nobody ever taught me. He just It's not about moving the weight. He goes, hey, man, it's about challenging the muscle. So the next five years, um, 2007, 2012, uh, he took me under his wing, taught me everything he knew about exercise, and uh, really changed my body, man. Like massive amounts of change happened in those five years. And I really felt empowered now that, you know, weak body parts no longer existed for me. It was just like... I just hadn't done it enough or I haven't done it correctly yet, right? Now I, I felt empowered to realize that I could build any amount of muscle uh, and that's really what I set out to do. And, you know, unfortunately that, that man passed away in 2012 um, and otherwise he'd be a big part of my life and a big part of my business now. Um, but really it's just muscle intelligence has become this, this uh, attempt to convey his messaging and the messaging of uh, intelligent muscle building around the world. So what does that look like, right? What does it look like to uh, realize that exercise is physics? Exercise is this opportunity to challenge muscles, to ultimately develop your greatest self physically and mentally, not just to drive yourself into the ground and quote unquote work hard mindlessly. I think it's a terrible idea and I'd love, you know, I could talk about that all day. So muscle intelligence is, is um, you know, if we sum it up in one word, it's challenging or one sentence, it's challenging muscles rather than completing exercises. Um, and, you know, there's so many levels to that. But that's really what it is, man, is, is um, you know, learning that weak body parts don't have to be a reality. You just haven't learned how to train them correctly for your body yet. Ben, we're, uh, we're very happy to have you on. We're excited to, Ben's going to be obviously at the event uh, coming oh, up. Oh, yeah, that's right, this Yeah, this weekend. It's like time flies, right? So Ben will be there at the uh, Carbon Gym event. Carbon Gym. Carbon USA. Oh. Yeah, that's really well, That's the Instagram. I don't know. Okay. Carbon Culture, and that's in Murfreesboro. Uh, I'm excited to see Ben there. We're going to have a good time. Should be a, a crazy event. There's a lot of people going. So like 20-some athletes going. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a big event, yeah. Are you excited to be going, Ben, or is this like more of like a thing? I'm, I'm a last-minute addition. It's, it's fun. I'm actually, yeah, I'm very excited, man. Half these guys I haven't seen in a really long time. And since retiring from bodybuilding, I've kind of been disconnected from the competitive space. Um, so it's going to be nice to get back in, man. Um, a lot of Canadians, actually. Yeah, a lot of Canadians. Yeah, we got the HD crew there, right? Yeah. Antoine uh, coming off his win. Uh -huh. So it'll be fun. You know uh, Antoine back in the day, or you guys, did you hang out? Man, it's funny. We don't know if we hung out, but uh, so when I won uh, nationals, so I got my pro card, he was 20. I was 26. Wow. And, uh, you know, he was just massive for a 20 year old. So, I, you know, him and I became acquainted, and he was, uh, you know, he said he was a fan of mine. And so we've been acquainted ever since. I've been, I've been, you know, following his career, doing my best to help him. He's had his, his hard times. So it seems like he's finally got his, his stuff together, man. And he's, doing really well for himself so man i'm, I'm someone who lifts everyone up anyone who's, who's not an asshole i support them entirely <laughs> if yeah, someone's yeah. an asshole i just try to leave them out of my life and antoine's an amazing amazing guy man he's got uh he's got a heart of gold so i'm so grateful and happy to see him succeeding he certainly went through his struggles and, and that's why we signed him at redcon initially is he hit me up or i don't know how yeah, he, hit you up. Yeah. hit me up and was like hey man give me a chance you know i'm, I'm sober and I'm like, yeah, okay, and we gave him a shot, and uh, for not a whole lot of money, and then he moved up. We got more, you know, we 
boosted him up. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to compete because he got an injury, and so we never we never had him compete in the two and a, two year plus. Yeah. Uh, but then when Dorian wanted him or whatever happened, we're like, you know, I love we like Dorian very much. We like uh, we love uh, you know. Ultimately, where Redcon's at is such a great place because we don't really need any of these guys, and so never you never get your feelings hurt. So when Antoine because he, he works with Dorian. He's very close friends with him. He lives, he lives in his house. Room, yeah. lives in his house. So it's like, he wants to go with him. Go, man, go. Have fun, good. And then we can still have positive feelings, which I think very, very few supplement companies, they feel very competitive. They want to beat, or they, you know, like they're the, the old Ben Bukowski, uh, mental, like, I'm going to crush everyone, right? But for us, we're at a place, fortunately, that's like, I, I'm happy that Dorian's doing good. And if he wants to take all of our guys, you go ahead, right? Not not all of them. Most of them, you you know, if you want them, right, whatever. And uh, and so um, we're excited to see all of them, including Antoine. I'm very 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 happy for Antoine. I was very sad when he got him when he hurt himself. Not not for us, not for Redcon One. I was sad for him. No, because the trajectory he he put so much effort into his prep, and it's like, man, this guy, his life almost was on the line, and then he hurt himself, and I'm like, oh man, so scared that he was gonna, you know, have. You know, he did have for a day or two depression. He didn't do anything they shouldn't have done. It's like, man, he was super depressed, and very upset. I'm like, man, I sure hope this this potential is not ruined based on a one-time event, and this injury is going to just demolish him. And thank God, Antoine was able to come back super strong. Look at him. I mean, he is uh, he's look, he's a stud. And so I'm super happy for him and for Dorian and for HD Muscle. So we're excited to see them at the event this weekend, and certainly Ben. Ben, I want to leave you with this. So you said the best things or the most dramatic things, which you said. What is the worst thing that you've done to transition to the Ben we know today from bodybuilding? What's the thing we shouldn't try? Like, is there something out there that you're like, whoa, that was dumb. Don't do that. Gosh. Um... Or something that didn't help you, where you got, get, left the seminar or the retreat, and you're like, okay, nothing. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, the one thing that no one should do is try to appease other people like that. That may be a, an overgeneralized answer, man. But in this, in this social world we live in, um, I think bodybuilding is going to have a really hard time because everyone's out for instant gratification because they're trying to appease other people. They want to get likes and they want to get comments and no one has uh, long term goals and big visions because they, they're too focused on the immediate gratification. Um, so. I think it's your greatest opportunity to, you know, as I often said during my career is two middle fingers to the world and uh, put your head down and do the work. And if you really want to have a big reward, it's not going to happen in a month or a year. It's going to take 10 years. It's going to take five, you know, five, 10 years, a long time. Um, so don't do things to appease other people and do the things that ultimately inspire you most and allow you to thrive. Um, so some of the things that I've done, obviously, uh, is just, considering other people too much in in my life and that includes my family not my my children but more like my parents and my uncles and my aunts and things you're like oh, why are you doing that that you shouldn't do that you should spend more time with family and i'm like well i need to do the things that ultimately are going to be um best for my family so my children and me um so you know and a lot of people focus on their friends or focus on you know whomever I think that is is the worst life to live, right? It's if you're trying to fulfill someone else's dreams, you're ultimately not fulfilling your own. And that's something I talk about often is live your inspired life. So the things when you wake up in the morning, it's got to be a hell yes or it's a hell no. 
a guy I like a lot who's been dead a long time, Marcus Aurelius, uh, writes about in Meditations, which is one of the books that I, I like to read and I've read many times, is, uh, is that people's opinions don't really matter. So don't ever do anything for somebody else's opinion because ultimately they're here and gone, right? You don't do something because somebody approves. And I, and I, and I I'll personally have to deal with that a lot because there's stuff that I do where I'm like, so why am I doing this? And I'll have to do a little self-examination, you know? It's like for a fancy car or whatever. Are you buying that car? Am I buying that car to impress somebody or am I buying it for me? If I'm buying it for me because it means something to me, that's okay. If I'm mm-hmm. buying it for people outside will say, oh, he's a good guy, they don't fucking matter. They mean nothing. So mm-hmm. in the things, we're here and gone. Time is finite. And if you think you're impressing people, it makes a difference, you're totally foolish. And you don't right. have a- all the people that say good things ultimately don't matter and all the people that say bad things ultimately don't matter right and that's this this statement of equanimity and that's a term that i've kind of attached to is you know all all the good things aren't it's never really that good and it's never really that bad man it's just you know your your ability to to live in this state of um ultimately equanimity is maybe the greatest objective that anyone can have this the my the world outside of me doesn't impact who i am on the inside I told Ben we we me and Ben talked last time we were uh, hanging out. We're just recently at the Mel at uh, now was the Mel show at Tampa, Tampa Pro. Pro. Oh, no, actually New York Pro, New York Tampa. and New York Pro, right? New York Pro in Tampa is that you know the, the rabbi who comes who's coming tomorrow, right? One of the things that I love about him is that his whole life, his, his goal, is to do good deeds. Like that's all he cares about. He doesn't care about anything else. He doesn't want a thing. He doesn't want money. He doesn't want a, a fancy watch or a nice car or whatever things that I want. He doesn't, he has no interest in them. He won't get them. He won't accept them. And he, even if he does want them, he'll never take them. He'll never have them. He doesn't want fancy clothes or, you know, uh, you know, none of those things matter. And so for me, that's something that's so interesting and amazing that his whole life, right. His whole, I guess, self-worth is based on doing good things for other people. And that's such an admire. How can you not admire that? Like, even if you don't believe anything, you don't believe in God, how can you not admire a person their whole life surrounding their, their, their being is to do good things for other people. And, uh, and that's why that I like him so much. And I always think like, cause that, that isn't me all the time, you know? Uh, and it isn't most people, 99%, 99.99% of people that I know, but it is a very, something that you can admire easily. Oh, you can. No. But then also too, the flip side, you're always doing stuff for other people, never for yourself. Like, yeah. so are you happy or are you just, you know, he gets a lot of happiness out of doing things for other people where it's, that's the gratification he gets. And that's something that I, I honestly don't, you know, I can't personally identify with, although I do get happiness out of giving a present or doing something nice to, to get all your fulfillment for doing that is, is a unique thing. No, no, I enjoy doing things for other people, but then at the end of the day, you know, you got all of well, have children. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so he doesn't get nothing from himself. Yeah. He does get enjoyment out of different things. It's just not nothing physical, nothing. Yeah, uh, no uh, material no stuff. Yeah. No, he gives no, a shit about it. Yeah. He doesn't give a shit about that. And that's cool. And I, and I like no, that. That's admirable. It. It's admirable. 100% because ultimately you're not taking any of those things anywhere. Anyway. That stuff comes and goes. It's, it's physical things. I mean, hell, it doesn't, it doesn't change who you are. Yeah. It's a shit. You like him, Ben. You like him for sure. I look forward to meeting him someday. You'd find him fascinating. When you're down here, I'll, I'll introduce you and you, you'll have a lot of you guys, he's very cerebral, so you'd, you'd love him. You'd love Wonderful. him. A lot of, he's, uh, the one good thing, the, one of the good things about, about this gentleman, about Arale, is that he's very well read. So even though he, he may not believe the things internally that he reads, he will read stuff that's very, uh, it's almost the antithesis of the things that he believes. So he reads a lot of authors, 
even from often very, very different from him, um, who um, authors that are specifically anti-religion, anti-God, uh, you know, to people brilliant. that are very, very different than him. And, and he will, uh, he will talk about them, quote them, read, you know, read them to the, he knows them much better than I would. And I've read some of these books. Yeah. Um, he also has the other side of it. And, and that's different. That was the best piece of advice I ever got from someone who said, if you really want to be wise, reach out to the person who's got the opposing argument to you and have a conversation with them. If they can convince you, they obviously are right. And if you can convince them, then you've done a great job of understanding your information. But at the very least, you end up with a deeper understanding of both sides of the argument. And I think uh, as, as a rabbi, that sounds like an absolute brilliant, brilliant approach and, and certainly takes a lot of confidence to dive into you know, the opposing approach. And someone who I've been reading a lot lately is Sam Harris. You know Sam Harris, Aaron? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So again, that would be a book where we suggest the rabbi send, send him to Sam Harris's stuff because he's very much anti-religion. Yeah, he, so, he's read, um, what's the one I'm thinking of, the really anti-religion? Uh, B, it's just the B. Ben, anybody? I'm not sure. There's a super uh, old guy. You know, I'm, yes, I'm, like, um, I'm like at a loss uh, that he read all his books. Anyway, you're looking up, Ryan. Anti-religion. It's anti-no God. There is no God. He's it's his author. Yeah. Joseph Campbell. No. Joseph Campbell's the myth. Joseph Campbell. No, no that's um. Anyway, anyway. So yeah, you're you're 100 right. I think I think that if you're so that's the problem with America right now. Unfortunately, is that there that's not available to us publicly. You can't have that kind of conversation now, which is total. It's bullshit, honestly. You should be able to have intelligent conversation with somebody who has an opposing opinion, should be able to talk it out like adults and not right. scream. Well, it yeah. is, I think, in intellectual circles, man. I think that's what they thrive on. That's what they crave is like, I want to be able to have a conversation with someone smarter than me about something that we don't agree on. And ultimately, I want to get smarter because of it. Like, if you can convince me that you're right, great. That, that's, that's an open-minded, brilliant conversation, I think. Hundred percent. I know. I know. One of the big things, and, and I, I'm going to misquote this, is that that the rabbi says is that you learn more from your students than your peers, and more from your peers than your teachers, um, because a teacher is teaching something that's you know established. A peer is having conversation. The student is out there, right? They're thinking anything. They don't have any. They don't have no ba any basis for opinions. They're just going whatever. Here's the here it is. Yeah. And uh, and I, that's a famous. I don't know if that's. Uh, who that is, but uh, that that's a very famous quote. Whether yeah. Judaism or, or in general, I, I'm not sure. I'm reading. I'm reading a book right now. It's called How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci. Is it Leonardo? That would be interesting. If no, that no. Would... I, the book I'm reading is called How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci, and uh, they suggest the best thing to do. And it's kind of along the lines of what your rabbi says: is is you know, ask better questions. Is how you become you know ultimately a better thinker how you change your life is you need to ask deeper, better questions. So there's a lot of good, um, good lessons and experience experiments in there around writing more questions or, or just going deeper and deeper and deeper into asking different questions. Cause also that's how you come up with different solutions, right? I think yeah. it's a brilliant approach. I agree. Unfortunately, where we're at in America right now, it's very difficult to do any of that kind of stuff because people get offended, triggered, whatever, by, by something, anything that's different than what they believe. And, and then you're like, uh, you know, you're an enemy and you have to attack them. And it's such a weird place right now where, where everything is something that nobody wants to hear or everybody wants to hear that, that one party wants to hear. So it's, it's this weird, weird time, unfortunately, right now. Yeah, nobody wants to have an intelligent conversation. No. 
you know, nobody wants to have an intelligent debate where you say you learn their side, they hear your side. And it's so much of it, again, I think Cedric, like we've referenced this before, he said it best because it all happens over digital. So it's easy to just dismiss someone or be negative towards them where if you're face to face, you're going to actually have to interact with that person and really engage them in a conversation, which just doesn't happen anymore. How many times do you see people really talk and engage in a conversation? Not often. Most people are like this the whole time, you know, no matter what yeah. they do. Yeah. So, Ben, you're good about that. We're going to, we're going to let you go in just a minute, Ben, but you're good about that. So um, your phone, right? Phone is a very addictive thing and it's purposely addictive. It's not addictive by accident. It's purposely yeah. addictive, but uh, it's something where people are really engrossed in it. And I'm one of the people that I could say for sure. Uh, now my business is also, our business is also on the phone. So it's even worse. Yes. And so is yours, Ben, where like everything is happening. Uh, I turn it face down now because I don't want to see all the notifications. If you could see, I've got fucking hundreds of notifications. I don't want to, I don't want to look at it because it distracts me. Uh, but I'm bad about that. If I have dinner, if me and Ben have dinner, now I'll probably be good at Ben dinner with Ben. But if, if it was, you know, <laughs> but if it's me and Darielle having dinner, I'm looking at my phone, I'm seeing the notifications, the emails coming in. I've got text messages and, and, and at dinner for a few hours. I may have hundreds of, I mean, I literally may have hundreds of notifications. And I, in, inside me, which may be different than other people, but I have an in, intensity where I have to like respond. And Ben has been great at, for a long time, at saying, yeah, like I'm not doing it right now. And uh, that's something very different than a lot of people out there. Ben, are you still doing that? Or is that something that you- And more than ever, um, you know, I'm, I'm probably more diligent now than I've ever been with just leaving my phone somewhere. Man, if it's right beside you, you're gonna grab it. It's, it's, it's inevitability. But so if I'm working, I'll leave it at home. If I'm training, I'll leave it in the car. If I'm with my kids, I'll leave it in the car. Like. I don't, I intentionally don't let myself be tempted by it because I mean, it's, it's just too easy. Like, oh, I'm going to go check this or I'm going to look this up and you just rationalize all this bullshit that you don't need. What you need to do is be present and love your family. And again, you can get a lot done. Aaron, I get your, your business run is run there as is mine. Your yours is certainly probably busier than mine right now. But um, I think at the end of the day, if, if you batch it, you can get a lot more done and then your, your team will become used to like, oh, Aaron's checked out after seven o'clock. There's no more, there's no more responses until 6 a.m. or whatever, right? Um, they'll get used to it. You know, my team understands if I'm with my kids, there's no phone. There's, and it, are they happy about it? No, but you know, that's, I, I know my values right now. And we talked about this last weekend, Aaron was like, your value right now is, is you know, you're growing your business. You have a very specific goal, but I hope you realize that when that goal is attained, you have the ability to shift it and you could just shift your values and go, okay, well now I'm going to decide, you know, I've accomplished this goal. Now I'm going to move on and go, okay, now the phone is no longer my top priority. Now my family's giving my top priority, right? So you're, you're, you're ascending this goal. Great. Achieve it. Boom. Now I'm going to have to shift my values. And it's all just, it's being conscious of what you value and those things can always be dynamic. So if you're valuing creating a, a business that hits a certain financial target, that's got to be a high priority, man. You got you have to prioritize that. You got to have that conversation with your wife, babe. I know this is this is not what you want, but this is temporary. Once we hit this target, I'm going to stop. And if you commit to that and you follow through on it, then that's your integrity, right? And if you don't follow through, then that's also your integrity, and, and you'll have to live with it. And I think you'll you certainly you're the type of guy who will follow through on your word. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I agree with that 100, percent Ben. It's it's it, and and that's uh, an important thing for sure. And uh, you've been good with it, like you said, and I admitted that to you. I'm definitely not good with that, uh, with that portion of it yet. At least you're aware of it, man. 
Yeah, but but I mean, ultimately, that is that is what the goal is: is to, at some point, to disconnect to some degree at least, where it's not. Um, by the way, we have a fantastic team here. Although the the one thing I will say, uh, how we are now, and Ryan, Johnny, to some degree, and Eric definitely would tell you, you know, I don't really ever disconnect ever ever. Even Sunday night at three in the morning, you know, I'm not ever able to to pull myself away. But at some point, that's got to happen, right? It can't be forever. In, in, you know, infinitum, right? It, it has to, there has to be a, a time where it's like, okay, we made it this to this place. And now those things don't need to be, it doesn't need to be a mad rush to the next thing, right? Right. And you need to talk to your wife about it and go, hey, what is acceptable for you? Because what you don't want to do is hit your financial goals and, and have this business succeed and have your wife not be happy with you, right? Um, so just like, hey, let her be part of that decision process around like, okay, what's acceptable for you and what's not acceptable for you. Cause ultimately you're moving your way to that goal, but you know, achieving that goal and being by yourself is going to suck. So, you know, make her part of the decision-making process. Like how much time do you actually need here to fulfill you? And, and if, if I'm not meeting your expectations, please tell me and having those open dialogues is vital, man. Cause at the end of the day, right. That's, um, that's what we're here for. It's not, we're not just here to make money and be by ourselves. We're here to make money and share it with people we love. Yeah. So I think I'm sure you do that stuff already. Yeah. Well, there's no doubt. I mean, the one thing, one thing I can tell you for sure, and everybody can identify with this is whether you, you have money, you don't have money, you're, you're on the way to it or, or trying to figure it out is that, you know, nothing is as fun or as meaningful by yourself as it is with somebody else you care about yeah. or love. It's just, that's just life. That's just being a human. So you go to Niagara Falls by yourself. It's cool. Go with somebody you love. It's way cooler. Right. Or whatever it is. I'm using that as a weird example because I've never been there, but some anywhere, anywhere you go to, right? By yourself, it can be great. But with somebody you love, it's always more enjoyable. Or even somebody you like, even a friend, it's more enjoyable. Ben, I want to go to rapid fire because I want to let you get out of here and get going and start get back to all your clients and making money and family and everything else. <laughs> um, so rapid fire usually ask you a bunch of weird questions. We don't have so many super weird questions because I didn't get to I didn't get to do these. Man, I like weird questions. Bring it on. Yeah, maybe I'll couple some weird ones on the way. All right. right. You want to go with, let me think of weird ones. Give them some think more of weird ones. ones. There's not always a good one. What's a hidden talent you have that nobody would know you you have? I don't think you have any hidden talents, man. I don't know. That, uh, I don't think I do. Maybe maybe cooking. Like, I'm a pretty good chef, I guess, if I try. But uh, yeah, I don't know if I have one. Another one. Hold on. F favorite favorite city right. in the world that you've been to, that you've traveled to? Oh, um, we're probably Perth, Australia. I, certainly, I like Australia. The country, Australia, is one of my favorites. Uh, Vancouver, um, Canada, um, Banff, uh, British Columbia. Not Banff's not British Columbia. Banff is in Alberta. All those places are awesome. Favorite favorite bodybuilder? All not, time? No, not, not, not that you know personally. I don't mean like your favorite person. I Current mean, or uh, all time? Current or all time, sorry. Of all, all time. time. Dorian. Okay, current. You said that. I like them all, man. They're all my buddies. <laughs> really. <laughs> he has an answer. He just doesn't want to do it. No, 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 no. Like, they're all my buddies, man. Like, so, obviously, I love Flex. I mean, Brandon's a good... I love... The people who are my friends. And this is the way I'm with all pro sports and pro teams. I don't really have a pro team that's my favorite. I love athletes. Like, if you're a good human being and you work hard, you have a good work ethic and good energy about you, I like you. 
And that's what I'm with with bodybuilders, man. Like, so who are my favorite bodybuilders now? The guys who have, who have great personalities, great energy, and they're good human beings. So Flex is up there. Uh, Brandon's up there. Cedric. Um, guys, are just good good human beings. Guy Sister Nino is awesome. I have a Cedric question, but because um, you travel all, all over the world with Cedric, but I did. Um, yeah. Before I get to that, who do you think will win the Mr. Olympia this year? Will it be Phil Heath? Uh, man, it's going to be a close one. It's hard to guess. You know, if Brandon could do something with his legs, uh, he's unstoppable, man. That bopper body is crazy, right? And and thing is, man, I, like this is this. I, I, he can build his legs. He absolutely can. It's not genetic. It's just the way he trains. And and that sounds arrogant, but it is. Uh, you know, if he can build that much muscle everywhere else, he can build in his legs too. Um, I really hope Brandon does it, man. I, man. I love I love Brandon as a man more than anything. And nothing against Phil, but. Uh, I hope Brandon does it. Yeah, Brandon. Brandon is, is awesome. Do we know what's happening with Roden? Is he coming back or not? Is he done? I, for him too. I don't think he's going to be allowed to, which is yeah. uh, total. I don't know. It's total fucking bullshit. It's total yeah, bullshit. I don't know what happened there, but I don't understand. I don't understand how you can not allow him to compete in the world's biggest show in his profession because he was accused of something. I don't understand that. So that's I mean that's my personal bias, <laughs> but I'm like, what? How is this even possible? Yeah. So I don't. I, for David Pecker, for AMI, I get it more because he was in the middle of a, you know, international, worldwide political drama, and maybe he doesn't want to be involved with that kind of thing. But now that it's Jake Wood, that seems to me like this is a this is a bodybuilding fan who is a wealthy guy. Let him let everybody. Yeah, he'd want everybody on stage. Why would you think? not? Yeah. Why would you not want to? The guy didn't do anything. America's that's how it works. He didn't do anything. Well, it's supposed to work. But yeah, I'm very disappointed that he's not competing, that he's not allowed to compete because I know he want, I know for sure for a fact he wants to compete. Yeah. And Hadi will be back, right? If he can get in the country, I think it seems like he can. Hopefully he can. I ran, I ran you, you know. I mean I'd be maybe a persona non grata, right? At this point, I don't know. I don't know. We don't know. We don't know a lot of that, though, Ben. A lot of people we, we I've discussed with uh, several people that are in charge of this stuff. They don't know what countries will even be allowed in December. Nobody knows. So as of right now, there's a lot of countries. The European Union will not be allowed into America now, right now, so as of today. So they wouldn't be able to travel. Anybody that's there, they won't come. So that would uh, that would preclude a lot of people. Yeah. So I hope that's not the case because that'll. That would be bad for the fans and bad for the sports. I, I sure hope that doesn't that changes. You know, Hadi can yeah. be. It would be a fantastic thing. It's a terrible thing for him not to come. You know? So yeah. I guess we'll see, right? We will. You seem unconvinced, man. What is it? You seem unconvinced. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I try not to be attached to what happens. Show up and have a good time. Celebrate yeah. whoever wins, and that's it. Oh yeah, I get it. Mm -hmm. uh, what was the last question I had for Ben? Uh, we had one good one, uh, one last good one. Yes, it was favorite bodybuilder. That was the last one. Yeah, but we we had more than that, didn't we? We had one. We had one last one attached to the favorite bodybuilder. It was all time, and then you followed up current, current, and then it, and then we said, who's going to win the Olympia? Yeah. Ben, ben didn't commit. He was like, mm, I don't so know. Hope Brandon. Like, I don't know. I hope Brandon sort of Brandon. look at look at these two. Yeah, Phil and Brandon. Uh, flex. We'll go to flex, and then we'll, we're going to end it. We're going to end it on flex. Um, so flex is about two hundred and maybe fifteen pounds or so on stage, maybe two twenty at the most. Do you think he stands next to a big Rami or a Phil or or, or a Brandon and compares favorably? 
It's going to be a very hard task because it, it, but people don't realize as much as Flex is an incredible bodybuilder, it's, it's like a, it's just a different size human being, man. Those guys are just really large, you know? Um, so I don't know. I hope so. I mean, Brandon's not all that tall, but, um, you know, Flex to stand with those guys, he's going to be big. He's going to have to be a lot bigger and, and he's had two years. So maybe nobody's seen him. It's hard to guess, man. He certainly got the, the potential, right? He's got the shape. But, I mean, if he's 30 pounds less, that's a big difference. So, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, that's one of those weird uh, question marks, right, is that Flex has such great shape. He's always in great condition. He's always in shape. But, like, when you think of the leg of Big Rami, right, the leg of Different uh, game. even Brandon, right, Brandon, whose yeah. leg needed need to come up to be against Phil or Phil's leg. So, Phil's leg versus, you know, and that's one of the things that's intangible because people don't see it. Uh, yeah. Phil's leg, let's say it's 32 inches and, and, and you know, Flex's leg, 26 inches, 27 inches. You don't see that until it's next right. Flex has a very, you know, his, his plot is very flaring. So we've got a yeah. great shape. You turn yeah, side. It's, it's like a large and a double X large t-shirt. Like on their own, they're like, oh, that's a t-shirt. But beside each other, like, oh, shit, that's a lot bigger. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. going to be very interesting. I know a lot of people are, are thinking that Flex may take it and hopefully... He's got a good shot at that because that'll make it very, very interesting. Um, but there's that scary factor that he'll place out of the top six, uh, which I know would be the. I think with his command, I mean, there's not that many guys that are going to be beyond six, right? I think with his condition alone, he'll get top six. Like, there's nobody's got his structure, right? I hope so like, for him. Yeah, I hope so. I think it would be very, very depressing to be outside of the top three, honestly. So. Yeah, no, I could see him being in the top six for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Because so. it kind of gets it kind of gets pretty weak, uh, you know. After, after you go Bonac and, and I don't know if Cedric's doing it, but like after those guys, it starts to get a little, it starts to get a little squishy in there when you start getting into like the Lucas Albladal guy. You know, like yeah. they're, they're good bodybuilders, but they're certainly not top six Olympia guys. I think Flex is in a different league. I like that. It gets squishy. Yeah. A little squishy. So let's talk about a uh, squishy Cedric. Uh, so Cedric could be squishy. He could be a little squishy. Uh, but he could also be, uh, you know, who knows? So that's one of those things, and he hates this. He hates this. If Cedric was 100%, this thing, if you watch it, he'll get angry when I say it. If Cedric was 100%, he could be Mr. Olympia. And uh, he hates to hear that. Probably hates it because it's the truth. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's why he hates it so much. It drives him crazy when people say that. Uh, but it's he's one of these guys, Ben, and you know him better than, better than we do, better than practically anybody. He is uh, somebody that has so much potential. And we talked about you being the new Arnold and Generation Iron. Cedric is the new Arnold, period. Cedric, Cedric has the personality, the charisma. He has the ability to speak. He's got great stage presence. He has the physique. He has everything that it takes to be Arnold Schwarzenegger 2020, which is a weird thing to say. Or maybe Arnold yeah. 2021. Yeah. Um, and uh, he has all of the things, all the it factor. But for some reason, Cedric can't put it all together. And he would tell you, that it's because he doesn't have the confidence and that he doesn't believe in himself and all this other nonsense. What do you think? Man, I've spent a lot of time with him and, and outwardly he comes across as a very confident person, but he always has this inner dialogue that's just like, man, you got to let it go. And, and I'm sure with, with some sports psych person or performance psychologist, he could, he could overcome it. He's just got to hire the right person. And, but, you know, he, he's got to be willing to accept that criticism from that person and go, hey, man, like, or at least step into it and, and admit that, hey, I've got this problem. I want some help. And that's a very hard thing to do. Um, and I wish I had known that stuff when I was competing early in my career. I would have 
absolutely reach out to a sports psychologist because you know that inner dialogue you have this outer shell of, of confidence and strength but inner, inside you're just a mess and I think uh, he could absolutely step into his greatness if he had someone just supporting him just be like hey man here's how you do this like you can absolutely change the way your brain works it's, it's not nothing is fixed you know it doesn't even take that long you could do it in a matter of days um, so I mean Cedric, hopefully, man, if you listen, find somebody, and, and I'm sure I could track them down for you. That's uh, awesome. Someone who could ultimately. Who do I need to pay? Oh, we'll talk about that off air, man. If there's somebody, seriously, like if, if you want to do that, I guarantee there's somebody who could could help them with that. I do. I would love to. I would love to help Cedric. We've talked about it before. He said he'd be willing to be on camera in front of a sports therapist because I know that's what he needs. He needs he needs help. You know, I hate to say it, it sounds weird these days, but he needs help mentally. He doesn't need help physically. He needs help mentally to overcome the obstacles that he feels he has in his own brain. Cedric has such amazing talent, whether it's from bodybuilding or art. I mean, he comes here and he tells our video team what to build, shots to do, how to edit it, the art team, how to you know, color the pictures. I mean, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's an amazing he's artist. He's amazing talent, but for whatever reason, he doesn't believe in himself. I believe more in Cedric than Cedric believes in himself. But yeah, I think we're, we're, he's still the skinny kid deep down inside, right? He's probably the skinny kid who got picked on. And just like, you know, everyone has that, that little kid inside. And sometimes there's some regression that needs to happen there. Maybe it's some hypnosis or something, which maybe sounds woo-woo, but works. Um, there's going to be something there where you can go back and, and change that belief. It's, it ultimately comes down to an identity and a belief, right? Who you identify as, what are the beliefs that, that are attached to that identity, and you can change them. You know, and, and he's going to look back on his career and go, fuck, if I don't do that, I'm going to regret it. And uh, hopefully he, he's given the opportunity. So his whole thing, and we're going to end with this, man, and his whole thing is that he he has this picture of what he wants bodybuilding to be, a camaraderie, uh, uh, a thing where people can be together and use it as a, as a healthy thing. And he has a lot of visions for bodybuilding because that's what it's done for him, self-confidence building, discipline building. You know, and and unfortunately, he thinks that he needs to wait to spread his message, his goodwill message for bodybuilding until he's Mr. Olympia. But then he's not doing the things that are required, not believing himself to be Mr. Olympia. So it's like a catch twenty two, where it's like, well, when I'm Mr. Olympia, I'm going to do all these great things, but I'm not going to do anything that's going to make me be Mr. Olympia. So it's just this this loop um, that he really needs somebody to help him break out of because he's he's right there. He's doing he, so. This is Cedric doing 80% of what he could do, you know? I mean, he was in our suite, at the hockey suite, eating candy bars yeah, and fucking junk. Pizza. Yeah, pizza before three, four weeks out of the show. I'm like, dude, dude. I, I saw a lot of that shit where I travel on the road and he's having steak and french fries every meal. I'm like, dude, what the fuck? You're like two weeks from the Arnold. What are you doing? He's like, ah, it's low calorie. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, cheat day, cheat day, bro. It's cheat day. I'm like, no, it's not, dude. You're a liar. You can get back on your diet. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, and uh, and I know he wants to win too because when he we got did poorly in this last Arnold, man he he <laughs> felt embarrassing and he cried and hung on to me you know and well said he's sorry and stuff and I'm like man this is all in your control like you you can I, by the way I'm not, I was not and I told him I'm not mad at him or upset or disappointed right I wasn't disappointed that he didn't win or whatever I want the thing that disappoints me is when he doesn't post on social media doesn't do videos and tells cameramen not to leave him alone that's what disappoints me. Um, him getting whatever fifth place at Arnold, I'm like, oh, whatever. You know, in the scheme of things, like I want him to win, of course, but 
in the scheme of things, that's small potatoes compared to saying, I don't want to be to film me when I'm preparing. That's the big problem, right? That disappoints me. So um, anyway, it's, it's one of those things, Ben, uh, offline, you tell me the, the guy that you interviewed on your, on your podcast who can help him and make him into uh, the, the, you know, the soldier he is in the, in the actual inspiration he is for, for young, because that's his thing. Like he loves being in the military because he loves inspiring and leading young men, which is like, wait, you're leading young men, you're teaching leadership to young soldiers, yet you're, you know, so disconnected to what that means as an adult, but he is. Dude, that's the irony of everything, right? Is, is how many nutritionists do you know that eat like shit and are fat and out of shape? It's just that it's the, the irony of, of the fitness industry, man. So, uh, yeah, you know, the, the challenge you find with sports psychologists, and I guarantee this is going to bring her into this with Cedric, is buy-in. Because half these sports psych guys have brilliant skill sets and brilliant pedigree, but they're going to be fat and out of shape or they're going to be old. And, like, he's like, who the fuck's this guy? Even though they have the skill set that's the big challenge they have in pro sports, right? It's like you have all these amazing athletes who are just these studs who have never been told what to do by anybody. And you get this fat-ass sports site guy who, you know, lives on donuts but has a brilliant skill set. Um, so they don't have the buy-in. So hopefully Cedric's willing to drop his ego and actually listen to some of these guys because it's challenging, man. If, if, some, if someone doesn't have your trust how, or ultimately your respect, how do you believe what they say it's you know it's certainly a challenge for some athletes who have massive egos are any of those guys uh or girls out there um able to uh control the, the food they stuff into their mouth so they look like reasonably like believable the sports likes people yeah i'm sure yes 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 we'll, we'll talk about that because like uh, we'll talk about it at, at length maybe this weekend all right well ben Thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. I hope people got value out of this because yeah. Ben has been there and done that in a lot of different aspects uh, from professional bodybuilding to everything afterwards. And uh, hopefully that, I mean, that's the goal of all these shows is to provide value to you guys who are watching and listening at home on podcasts or watching right now on Facebook live. You know? yeah, you've and, done a great uh, job. I mean, the production's awesome. So uh, thank I, you. That, yeah, it's great. Thank you. Well, we always want to be the best, Ben. As you know, I always want to be the best. I'm never, never happy with anything but being the best, right? Good so, for you, man. Set the standard. If you're going to leave everybody with one thing, if one tip for the general public who's watching right now, what would be the one thing you would say for for normal people watching or listening right now? What would be the tip you would leave people with? I think the thing that I always come back to is that you absolutely can, regardless of what your objective is right now. If you have one, you can and. Um, I always drive home to people is like, never be a victim, never use victim words. Um, you're the creator of your life and you're in control of your life if you choose to make it that way. Um, so I love the idea of empowering people with just the belief, maybe just that little, that little flicker of light to make you realize that you can do absolutely anything. You just haven't learned how yet. Maybe you haven't learned the skills, maybe you haven't learned the process. Um, but absolutely, unequivocally, you can do whatever you want in your life. And if that means building a tremendous amount of muscle, losing a tremendous amount of fat, getting on the Olympus stage, or making a billion-dollar business, uh, you can do it. You just have to be uh, diligent and disciplined and uh, set the type of goals that make something of you to achieve them. I agree. That's awesome, Ben. Ben, thank you so much for being on the show. We truly appreciate it. And hopefully we can have you back on in the near future if you have any big events. But also we, we do a, a kind of like a show where we have a bunch of differing opinions, which would be something great for you, like a panel show. 
And uh, if we if we can use you for a differing opinion, I'd love to get you on here to argue your point or or whatever point you may have uh, with somebody who may not agree with you. That'd be good. Yeah, I'm in, man. Just make it not so late at night, so my brains are sure. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, right now, but we're already out of time. So thank you right, for that for us. And I'm going to see you very soon. We're both going to see you very soon. Sweet. Yeah. Thanks, Ben. See you soon. Thanks bro. for your time, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Thanks man. Bye. All right. We have Ben Bukowski there. One it's hell good. of a good guy. Yeah, yeah we probably right. talked for a long, long time. Uh, yeah, we, we can. But I know Ben, he's very strict with the bedtime, wake up time, which I get. And I've got my uh, Apple Watch 6 on the way. I'm going to put that thing on. It's going to alert me when I need to go to bed. I'm going to do EKG. I'm going to go to sleep, get my blood oxygen levels, and then I'm going to wake up right on time because it's going to vibrate and wake me up. Yeah, that's one thing I'm not good at is sleep. <laughs> uh, maybe you're just missing the iWatch 6, man. That's, yeah, that's all I need. And then the tape to close your mouth. We didn't get to talk about that with Ben. No, I read, got the, the book. The read. book, yeah. Yeah, so um, one of the big things that Ben's a big believer on, we didn't get to talk about, is, is that particular book, but not just the book, but the actual methods inside of the book about how important breathing through your nose versus your mouth is. And so I actually uh, bought the book. I've read it. I know you just recently I bought just it. showed up today at the house. And, uh, and believe it or not, I actually got lip tape to close my lips like the, when I'm sleeping. So you're forcing yourself to breathe through your nose while you sleep, which can reduce snoring, but can also help with all kinds of other shit. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, which you probably don't, check out the book Breathe. Also, you could probably look it up on YouTube and everywhere else and see about how important breathing through your nose is versus your mouth. And when I do cardio now, uh, I strictly breathe out of my nose so the whole time. I don't breathe at all. That's the old term, not being a mouth breather. Yeah, mouth breather is bad. Even that term, you're a mouth breather, that's a bad term. Yeah, it's a bad term. Bad term means you're, you know. Right, don't you just use duct tape to close people's mouths normally? Usually. Okay. Well, that's kind of what I'm using now for my own mouth, so. I'm rubbing off on everyone. He was ahead of the game. He just does it mostly to girls. They don't know it, and it comes up from behind, yeah. Yeah. Only when they're still awake. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Well, you kind of, you flex here. Yeah, anyway, thank you guys so much for tuning into the show. We truly appreciate it. Episode 18 is now closed. Time for some vodkas, like he said. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to play. Uh, are, you, are you up for some Call of Duty? A little, bit. A little bit. I'm a little tired today. I had more last night. You need some food. Wait, hold on. Hold on. No, I'm not taking more caffeine. Fuck that. Boom, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't open it up yet, so it's perfect for you. Chug that. <laughs> Call of Duty all night long. Anyway, so thank you guys so much for tuning in. Eric and I will be back next Thursday with either Kai Green or Alan Dershowitz. Funny compare. Yeah, this is a broad. Well, that's Talk about either, either a 55-year professor at Harvard, law, most accomplished uh, legal mind in the world alive today, or Kai Green, who is the most popular, don't say yeah. weird, most popular pro bodybuilder in history other than Arnold. Yep, I would agree. Yeah, and he's a great dancer. Yes. Don't say anything weird. <laughs> don't say weird. All right, guys, thank you. Thank you for tuning in. We're out. Bye, guys. Right, have a good night.